Ladies and gentlemen, it is I, Evan. Back from my solo Disneyland vacation. Yes, I went by myself. I'm working on my Tinder profile, give me a break. Anyways, tonight, on the Midnight Train podcast, we discuss horror's ultimate power couple, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Are they a couple of wackadoodle freaks? Or are they the real deal? Join us as we dive deep into the stories, relationship, and history of the famous couple behind the Conjuring movie series including offshoots like The Nun and Annabelle. So change your diaper because we are going to scare the shit out of you. All aboard passengers. listeners out there and a big old welcome back to all of you that have been with us for a while if you're new here welcome to the midnight train podcast where uh, we bring the dark to light from paranormal to pseudoscientific nothing is out of bounds i am your conductor of the uncanny jonathan sayer and with me as always is the engineer of the unearthly jeff butchko how you doing today brah i'm doing great brother yeah how are you doing uh you know feeling it yeah yeah i'm feeling a little rough today i'm not gonna lie well this sunday yeah well i went to a uh, bourbon and bacon fest last night i'm pretty sure i talked to you on the phone yes and i could barely function a sentence <laughs> you know more importantly uh i met your friend isaiah and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. he initially called me and he's a great great dude i think we should actually have him call in or maybe he can show up can you text him and see if he can come by yeah, and visit? I, can, I can get a hold of him and see if maybe he can come in out now he's a little bit he's kind of hard to handle and even harder to understand. Well, but, all our guests usually are. Right, right. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can get a hold of them. Great, yeah, great. Yeah. Um, and of course, across from me, our switchman of the superstitious and captain of the quick check, Riley Sayer. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I am splendid. Looks like we have our camera situation. Squared away. Back yeah. up now and running. Yeah. Got you. Yeah, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. We got our candle burning in here. It smells awesome. No pumpkin spice. Yeah, thank God, because we don't need any more pumpkin spice. Right, Riley? No pumpkin spice. Right? I like pumpkin. I know you do. Because your age bracket and your generation. <laughs> what is it, a millennial thing? Yeah, I yeah, feel like every absolutely. time I come in here, I, really? get, I just get like you guys are ageist against me. Just berate, berating you? You can't hate me because I'm youthful. 
You know what's disgusting? I mean, we can. You can. That's true. You can. <laughs> you shouldn't, but you can. Right. There's a big difference. Well, here's the disgusting thing. So I went shopping, grocery shopping the other day at Walmart. It's my favorite place to grocery shop. Well, where I live, there's not many options. There's so no Aldi? No. God, no. Oh. There's a Walmart and it's just camo everything. But anyways, walking through. and All uh, the foods camo too? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, all the Can't apples. See any of it. Where are the damn pears? Yeah. <laughs> Can't see us. So anyways, I'm walking through in uh, the, what do you call the toiletry aisle where, where they have, you know, paper towels toilets. and toilets and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. They got the Febreze section where you have all the scented waxes and candles and sprays. Well, they had a pumpkin spice section. I saw it on the label and it was all gone, like sold out. To me, that just tells me that people are stupid. One. Number two. Does anybody really know what pumpkin spice smells? Does it actually have a scent? Yeah. Like a legit scent. It's called white girl tears. Because if I cut a pumpkin open, it smells like shit. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going <laughs> to state that right now. Yeah, it does stink. It does for So sure. I don't get this whole made up pumpkin spice bullshit. You sound jaded. Yeah. When's your birthday, Jay? Yeah. Like very jaded. I'm just tired of it. No, when is your birthday? Like, what day of the year is your birthday? In May. May. See, my birthday's in October. And so growing up, I always associated that smell with my birthday. And so now whenever I smell like, you know, that pumpkin, the fall, the leaves start changing, the whole thing, it kind of revolves around my birthday and Halloween. That's why I have really good associations with that smell. Yeah, wait till you hit your 40s. That smell is going to think of something totally fucking different. (laughs) It sounds like you need a hug. (laughs) No. It's just like, that was my birthday and it reminds me of it. So I, I need a hug. That's what it, that's, I don't know, whatever. Pumpkin spice, if you do it, you do it. If not, great, you're on my team then. I'm just anti-pumpkin spice. You're just anti-everything that everyone else likes. You're you elitist. No, no, not at all. You're elitist. Did you not get that camo all. hat at the Walmart? I did, actually. <laughs> at the Walmart. I get everything at the Walmart. What at are you talking Wal- about? At the Walmart. At the Walmart. Did you see that Ohio State University just had uh, a patent shot down or a trademark shot down for the word the? Yes, and so did LeBron James got Taco Tuesday denied. Yeah. What? They're trying to... He trademark, tried to patent yeah. and trademark Taco Tuesday. LeBron James did. And Ohio State tried to patent the word, or trademark the word the, as in like, because the Ohio State University, they wanted to trademark the word the. Why, why can't they just do the Ohio State University? Like the whole thing. Because that's not the same. They want the word the. They want the word the. Pompous much? Jeez. Yep, yep, yep. And it got shot down. They said, no. I want the word fuck. That's the word I want. I want to get that branded, and and and, and I want to get the copyrights for the word "fuck." You got to talk to your patent attorney about that one. Yeah, yeah. You make a lot of money. Yeah. You know what I would do? I would go to Starbucks and give them a pumpkin spice latte before you visit them, and then be like, "I brought you this pumpkin spice latte. What can you do for me?" And he would sip and be like, "Well, <laughs> I can do whatever you need because this is pumpkin spice." What the fuck? I don't know where you're from, Jeff. I don't even know. <laughs> Pumpkin spice has got a lot more power in your neck of the woods. Like, what Listen, the, yeah, what the hell? I know for a fact Chainsaw's listening, and he understands what I'm talking about. I Chainsaw, mean, post a comment. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe. I feel like he probably like is like a closeted pumpkin spice <laughs> guy. He does. Yeah. He's driving his, his big 18 wheeler. Yeah, he's, he's got, got a like, pumpkin with, with the car rubbing his nips to keep it warm. <laughs> you know, man, I sure do like this. <laughs> Um, Also, don't forget to head over to uh, www.themidnighttrainpodcast.com. I don't think I need the www anymore. But uh, yeah, just go to themidnighttrainpodcast.com and sign up for the Midnight Bonus Train for bonus episodes, including but not limited to our drunken movie reviews, which I think we're going to be doing some more of those. We keep talking about it. We just got to find the time. Um, By the way, uh if you haven't seen the site, listeners, you need to check it out because it is revamped and it is awesome. 
It it's look, really good. It came out really cool. good. Yeah, so. It does look pretty cool. I've been busting my ass on that damn thing. See? If you guys don't know, um, I actually do all of the design work, uh, including the website and like all of our posters and, and shit like that, um, which kind of a cool segue. You can now buy those posters that you can actually see hanging up, you know, around the place or whatever on our website where they'll be available. They're only five bucks a piece and we will um, we'll sign each one of them before we send them out. So, you know, if you're a listener and you just like collecting cool stuff, do that. Um, also, on our website, you can uh, listen to all of our regular episodes. Like I said, uh, you can buy some really cool merch like the posters. But uh, hoodie season's coming up. You know what I mean? Oh, and yeah. That hoodie's pretty awesome. I still got to get one myself, but I have so many fucking hoodies, dude. I know. I mean, I have <laughs> so many hoodies. So I'm like a zip-up hoodie guy, yeah. and I was going through like yeah, getting like all my fall... Water, uh, winter stuff out you know and i'm looking at it and i have at least at this point probably 20 zip up hoodies yeah and maybe like one or two regular pullover ones yeah dude i have so many of them so it's like i really want one because it says you know the midnight training yeah, on it. Right? plus it says i'm fucking awesome so i mean that's just i don't i gotta get one um and if you guys do uh you know happen to buy uh the stuff in there you can also you know sign up for certain bonus stuff that we have on there as well like you know you can help out by you know doing donations you know, because we definitely can appreciate them and, and use them for you know gear and just moving forward and getting you know better and better and better not so much the content because you can't pay for that <laughs> right that's priceless yeah but it does help to uh, you know keep this train rolling man so if you guys can do that to be awesome you can also watch youtube videos that uh, jeff actually makes uh he handles all that for us and uh yeah there's a fun club platform on our website that can get you some really cool shit too. So if you sign up for the club, there's like some you know, special perks and whatnot. Also, please subscribe, like, rate us on your favorite podcast platform, and most importantly, share the Midnight Train to everyone because word of mouth is uh, it's the best way to get the uh, you know the steam in our engines and keep rolling, rolling, rolling. <laughs> Um, lastly, this week in the boxcar where we showcase the music of unsigned bands, we have The Disaster. Uh, it's featuring uh, guitarist Rob Arnold from the band Chimera, if you guys are metal Ooh. fans out there. Um, <laughs> so it's his new band, and um, it's actually pretty badass. He pretty much, other than vocals, I'm pretty sure he recorded everything himself in his own studio. Um, it's pretty awesome. So the song Baptized by Fire excuse me, baptized by fire. It'll be uh, at the end of the this episode, so make sure you listen, and you can also, if you like what you hear from those guys, you can go to uh, facebook.com forward slash the disaster Cleveland. So make sure you check it out and let them know you heard it from us. All right? All right. Enough of that dumb stuff. <sighs> you all right, Jeff? Then? You okay? You need a pumpkin spice latte? No, I'm good. Okay. I got oh beer. Oh, my God. I got beer. <laughs> I got beer. Is it uh, pumpkin ale? Speaking of which, I am going to have to grab one here. Um, no, it's not pumpkin. Okay. Yeah. So, Jeff, yes. where for out are we headed today? Today, I'm actually really excited. This is going to be a good one. Um, I'm a big fan of these movies, the stories, and the actual people themselves. Uh, today, we're going to run a train on the original Ghostbusters, Ed and Lorraine Warren, which, by the way, these guys are like, you know how you got that friend that has every horror movie DVD and like tattoo and t-shirt? And then you have that friend that's a girl that has all that same stuff. This is like if those two hooked up and got married and like became a couple. This is basically what happened. Both of these guys are just batshit crazy, nuts, and they're in love and married to each other. And they went through all this crazy shit that we're going to discuss. So it's kind of a cool, it's like a the haunted Romeo and Juliet, I guess you could say. Well, yeah, I guess you could say that. They're, they're, they're definitely, I mean... 
we really went through a lot of well, I went through for a lot of shit on this, but oh man, it may be a little bit longer of an episode, like I said earlier, because holy shit, there's a lot of information out there. And um we should just uh start to get into it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, before we start, as of always, uh, do you want a beer, Jeff? You're, you're not. No, I'm good. I got my pumpkin spice energy drinks. So. <laughs> all right. So ah, cheers to you all out there. Uh, today, we're actually sucking on some Rheingeist Cheetah. It's actually a really good crisp lager. I oh, like it a lot. Yeah, it's not too heavy. It's good. All right. Any word on that uh, porcupine platypus sour apple? <laughs> Is that coming out anytime? Did we get any feedback? It was pineapple. Oh yeah, yeah. My bad. Are Pineapple, we getting anybody, sour, anybody interested? Not, or? not so far. I haven't heard. Um, but we, <laughs> I got some feelers out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got some feelers out there. How about the uh, bat, the Bachelor Riley and his date to the haunted house? Did we yeah, get any feedback anything, on that? Anything popped up? Um, no, not I, not quite. We've yet. had a lot of suggestions. I have had um, messages from people saying where, if you do go on the date, where you should go to. Oh, Ooh. those could, that could be helpful. Yes. Okay. So you know, it's mostly haunted houses because you have to go in a haunted house, that's, and that's pretty much the point of the whole thing, right? Right. Well, and, th- this may come down to where you have to get your own date somehow. Are you going to be able to do that? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor kid. Nah, he's good, right? Oh yeah, I'm good. Just you know, you ain't got time for it. That's all. That's You're all gonna want to go to that haunted house with like at least a 45 year old lady. I'm telling you, it'd be a great time. Yeah, I'm looking for a sugar mama. There you go. See, so if you're out there listening, fire a comment. Well, you already said that it could be any age, right? Yeah, I I believe that there was no specifications. Right, right. What's your what's your your the, as high as you would want to go? Highest bidder. I like it. <laughs> I there you go. If I got eighty five year old grandma throwing a thousand dollars, she's gonna down, be like, "No, you sure do look good. Will you hold my teeth for me?" <laughs> Anybody ever hit a gummer? Oh, oh, what was that? You just flicked a uh, stink bug, I think. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. All right, so let's get to this. I'm actually excited about this one because um, I actually sat down and watched um, the Conjuring. The first one? The very first one. Yeah, the okay. very first one. The second one's probably better, but okay, that's well, good. I, I gotta the watch. first one's good, too. And and it was all right. You know, I uh, kind of, you know. There's a lot of spinoffs off, off of that first movie, too. Like yeah, the you Annabelle the, movie. And the Nun. Yeah. And, like, they're going all out of it. So if let's we, talk about it. Let's, are we going to go with the movies first or through nah, their well, story? Actually, we're just going to talk about their storyline a little oh, bit okay. here. So Edward Warren Miney and Lorraine Rita Moran met when they were 16 years old. When uh, some friends had taken Lorraine to a James Cagney movie where Ed was an usher at the Colonial Theater in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, Lorraine and her mother used to go to the movies there every Wednesday night. He ended up serving in the U.S. Navy. Oh, my God. That thing is huge. Sorry. I know. He was crawling on my screen, too. <laughs> Get out of here, Mike. Wait, go that way. I don't want you in here. What is it? Oh, nice. It's a stuck big in the stink bug. Oh, oh, God. Ooh, isn't it kind of weird that we're talking about this paranormal stuff and there's, like, bugs coming out? Stink bug So, anyway... Um, Edward ended up going into the U.S. Navy and partook in both Pacific and European interactions during World War II. They married in 1945 while um, on uh, survivor's leave due to his ship sinking. So his ship actually sank while he was in the Navy. In the Navy. This dude's been through some stuff, man. Yeah. Once you get through this story, it's oh, like, yeah, it's wow. It's pretty crazy. Um, Ed grew up in a supposedly haunted house where his father would tell him, quote, there's a logical explanation for everything, yet no explanation for the hauntings in his home were ever brought forth. He would later say, quote, my family would all go to bed and just around two, two, 
2 to 3 o'clock in the morning, <clears throat> excuse me, many times I would hear the closet door begin to open up. At first, I'd look into the closet and see only shapeless darkness. Then slowly, I'd see a light beginning to form, and it would morph into a ball shape, sort of like a basketball. Oh, that wasn't me. <laughs> Jeff. Sort no. of like a basketball, and then it, uh, I'd begin to see a face on the ball. That is called a ghost globule. Now, I don't know. He must have coined that term. So did it look like a floating uh, that floating beach ball from Castaway, pretty much? Wilson? Wilson, Wilson yeah. Wilson! It just looked like Wilson floating around the room. <laughs> Maybe. I don't he know. He said floating ball yeah. with a face on it. Um, in, in that globule was a face of an old woman, and she was not looking at all pleasant. The globule would then come out into my bedroom, and then accompanied by audible footsteps and heavy breathing, the room would then become icy, cold, and an unnatural cold, a psychic cold. And I'm saying to myself, Ed, there's a logical reason for everything. But by that time, I shit myself and ran out of the house. I'm just kidding. You didn't say that. I was just making sure you were I was like, that's as not you, what says in the notes. As you would. As you would. <laughs> but uh, by the time I was out of the bed and right between my mother and father in bed. So he ended up, you know, jump out of bed and go sleep with his parents. Right. You know, because obviously he sees this stuff. But he is, the cool thing about him, and as we go through this, like she's... He's kind of a, a, not a skeptic. I don't want to say he's a skeptic, but he goes in and he tries to like figure out exactly what things are. You know what I mean? He so, tries um, to find the logic behind right, it. Right, right. So Ed went to art school at Perry Art School, which is a, a subsidiary of Yale, but couldn't, um, couldn't, uh, my, my notes couldn't are Couldn't get into up. it. But couldn't, wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to fix it live. Stop touching shit. You're read, fucking me all up. You read too fast. <laughs> but he couldn't do it. He couldn't get into it. As he claimed, what they're teaching me is a lot of geometry and a lot of nonsense that I don't need for painting. Because he just wanted to be a painter. That's it. But he went to school and wasn't like, you know, whatever. So he and Lorraine would set out uh, and sell his uh, paintings for 3 to 4 or $5 each. Which in today's money is roughly $80 to $90 a piece. Right. So it was just them. And they're out there and they're throwing stuff around, you know, um, and things weren't too expensive back then. Um, so they were making decent money. You know what I mean? Right. Now, while selling Ed's paintings, they would hear about haunted houses and haunted locations. Uh, Ed would drag Lorraine to these areas, although she really didn't believe in such things. She didn't believe in like the actual haunted things, which is kind of weird and odd. Um, he would then remind her of his experiences as a child in the haunted house. He grew um, that he grew up in, and she would agree to go along. They would get access to these places through Ed's art, and Ed would go out in the middle of the road in front of their homes, where they could all see them and start to sketch the house. And he'd see the curtains moving back and forth, like, "Hey, what the fuck are these doing out here?" You know. Yeah. Lorraine would knock on the door and uh, basically say, "My tiny little nipples went to France." Huh. That's not what she said at all. She actually said, "Here, I made or my husband made this painting for you." Handing them a painting, uh, you know, of their homes with ghosts kind of escaping from it and whatnot. So imagine it. These these are these are younger guys. <laughs> you I'm okay? sorry, it was awesome. <laughs> the, the, these younger guys are, you know, younger couples, should I say? They're yes. out there and they're messing around, and you know, you're like, what the fuck is this? And they come up and they, there's a cool ass painting of their house. But that's how they got in. That's how they started talking to these people. Right. You know. So basically, Ed just wanted to see if the same things happened to those families that happened to his family. Thus, their paranormal relationship actually began. So now Lorraine claims she began having clairvoyant experiences as a child, although she wasn't the devout believer Ed was in the beginning. Ed became a self-taught and self-professed demonologist, author, and lecturer. And when they would enter homes, Lorraine would be the one to see, hear, and feel experiences where Ed was the, the one investigating the phenomenons. Now, I, phenomenons. 
Phenomenons. All right. So I, I'm, again, I watched the movie. Well, actually, I, full disclosure, I didn't get all the way through it. Oh, did you fall asleep? No, I just had better things to do. Really? Yeah. Sorry. But in the movie or in the movies, is it like that? Absolutely. Or are they portrayed that way? Yeah, yeah. So like they work as a team. So like she has all the psychic, like you were saying, the psychic ability. So he would they would respond to a call or a complaint or whatever. They would get to the place and he would kind of scope it out and she would kind of stay in the back. And then when she was in the back, she would like close her eyes or like touch things and like basically relive what was happening and why the spirit was there or whatever so, yeah, yeah so yeah. she could get all the details and see it and he was more of like the hand, getting the hands dirty macgyver i'm going in and seeing what where this is kind of thing okay so that's how they work together the way i i would equate it for you is that uh ed is like captain america and lorraine is scarlet witch but they weren't married yeah but that's their powers pretty much wait He's super strong and yeah, he's kind of like the the and she buff just guy. kicks people's asses. Yeah, exactly. I got a boner. Now I'm gonna have to watch this because she sounds way more badass than I. She's kind of badass actually in the movies. She is, yeah? especially in the badass. second one, yeah. The Conjuring Two. She, she is. She does some cool stuff. Yeah, she actually saves his life. By mm. the way, no spoilers. <laughs> name, name of the show, dude. Yeah. So Ed and Lorraine founded the New England Society for Psychic Research in 1952. <laughs> Excuse me, beer. And the goal at first was to simply investigate hauntings. Then, around 1965, the Warrens went into a home where the spirit of a little girl named Cynthia had resided. And they listened to the little child coming through a deep trance medium. And she was looking for her mother. Ed thought to himself, this is horrible. This little child is earthbound. She's looking for her mother constantly, day in and day out. How do I help this child? It was no longer just experiencing the hauntings. Now the Warrens wanted to help. The question arose as to where to get the knowledge to help anybody in you know, the spirit world. Well, who delves into the supernatural? Priests, clergymen, rabbis. Ed started interviewing dozens and dozens of clergymen of all faiths, faiths and would ask them, if somebody called you from your parish and said there was a ghost in the house, what would you do? What would you do? Right. Would you, right, What would you do? Like as a, you know, as a band of the cloth, you know, what would you do if, right. if someone said they had a ghost, you know, where... S- I mean, there's so many different levels to that where some people say, well, there's a mental disorder there. Some say, oh, well, you, you need to be exercised. You know, so like this we talked about the exorcisms. This is probably a good spot to uh, I have an interview with Ed and Lorraine, like an actual legit interview, 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 interview. OK, um, and let me um, get Pat through this one part right here and we'll do that. Will they talk about that? Like, what would you do if you see a ghost? Oh, OK. So yeah, let's go ahead and play it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go into a very fascinating case to start. The case of Florence Viner, who lived in a haunted house and had some terrible incidences happen. Questions have been asked of of us, of Ed and Lorraine. Now who's speaking right now? What do you do when you see a ghost? I, I don't know the guy's name. What it's, do you oh, do interviewer. Yeah. Okay. if you see a ghost? Oh, there it is. Those questions and many others will be answered for you tonight. I'd like to start with Mr. Warren, if I could, Ed. I know you're going to talk about the Viner case, but can you tell us what would someone do if they encountered a ghost? Well, Tony, it would all depend on the uh, circumstances, the situation, the whole thing. If you're in a car like Rod Veshi was driving along at 1.30 in the morning and a ghost suddenly appears alongside you in your car, what can you do? Hmm. You know, and it comes so fast and then the uh, apparition disappears quickly. So by the time that you're trying to figure out what you should do, it's already gone, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people, of course, would just be very startled. But if you're, say, a Christian, 
you're lying in bed and uh, something wakes you up and you look out into the darkness and you see a ghostly figure there, a woman, a man, whatever it might be, uh, you simply make the sign of the cross in the direction that you're looking at it and you would say in the name of God is there something that I can help you with. So, real quick. So we say, and you, you if you a, see the ghost, you make the cross. Like okay. you've seen in classic horror yeah, movies, yeah, yeah. you're like, the power of Christ compels yeah, you, right, and they right, put yeah. the cross up. So yeah. he's saying essentially that, and then we'll get to the next steps. But I just want to touch on something, too. It's really funny because at the end of this, it's abruptly cut off where Lorraine chimes in. And you can kind of see like how the relationship works because Ed like instantly interrupts her and corrects her. And then they like cut her off. Oh, wow. it's like that old timey like you think he beat her i don't know but just just listen to <laughs> the right. it, this is like uh six minutes long i think total so we'll, we'll pause throughout it but let's right. keep going uh you shouldn't really hold a lot of communication with spirits but in some cases you're dealing with earthbound spirits people who are very confused when they died they don't understand why they're not in that physical body anymore and they're drawn mm -hmm. to the aura of a very sensitive person and during the sleeping state as you wake up, you are in a good situation where a spirit can reach you. Okay, now hold on right there. So we we talked before that we wanted to do one on like basically just ghosts. Yeah. You know, whatever, and kind of determine what makes a ghost a ghost versus, you know, um, the poltergeist, poltergeist yeah. and all that other stuff, which, I mean, we've kind of touched on a few different times with a few different things. So he's basically saying right there that it's a um, like a lost soul and it goes to weak people. Yeah, and it... If you think about weak it, weak-minded people. If you think about it, this that bug thing, loves you. Yeah, man, this thing's don't don't kill it in here, dude. That's yeah. gonna smell like shit. Um, the, the crazy thing is, if you think about it, it makes sense. So, like he's saying, like people sensitive to that, like children, animals, people who are frightened easily, receptive, receptive, exactly. Receptive. So, I mean, like <laughs> receptive. This guy's selling it. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm buying it so far. What do you think, right. Riley? I think it's all made up. Okay, let's go. Mm -hmm. on that same astral level <laughs> so I would suggest that you simply say the name of God is there something that I can do to help you if it's an evil spirit it will disappear immediately if it's a positive one say it's a, a relative or some spirit that's just been drawn to you then you might get some com communication I know there's been people that uh, have seen spirits of children of uh, adults and they get very frightened mm -hmm. and they'll jump up and run out of the room. Well, that's natural reaction for most people. But actually, what you should do is to find out what it is, what they want. It's kind of like uh, this woman over in Torrington. It was her own husband that would show up. Mm -hmm. And uh, she woke up one night soon after he died, about six months later, which I think was beautiful, but it scared her. And he would be sitting right in the chair, just <laughs> like you're sitting there. Hold on, pause that for a second. Pause that for a second. <laughs> I tried to hit the basket, but my uh, But you realize you literally just skill. put a live bug. Yeah, like, I tried to throw it in the, in the garbage can. can. Fly, but he's going to come back in here. No, no, no. Once he gets in the garbage can, it's too intimidating. He has to look oh, up and try and climb up the wall. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that's how bugs yeah. worked. I'm sorry. And we are hopefully not interrupting this guy as he's talking. Go ahead. And he would say, are you all right, dear? And she got so frightened, she jumped out of bed. He's basically saying that he's basically saying that some spirits are not evil. You know, these ghosts like this example he's saying right here is a guy who's trying to talk to communicate to his wife. He is obviously deceased and he's sitting behind the chair. His spirit is and he's trying to communicate to the wife. Are you OK? So essentially, there's like you were saying, 
the poltergeist and the ghosts that are like you know evil and just want to scare shit out of everybody. But there's also, I guess, friendly ghosts. Casper, maybe out of the house and wouldn't come back wow. in a few days. And then the same thing happened when she went back in again. She jumped out of bed and ran right, you know, out of the house again. So the third time, her daughter said, Mom, why don't you just ask Dad what he wants or tell him that you are perfectly all right? Which she did, and she seen him get up. He was sitting in a chair. He got up. Mm-hmm. He walked down the hallway, and she never seen him again. But he, he was disturbed by the fact that something was bothering the wife, which, of course, it would be. He was trying to put her mind at ease. Mm-hmm. Um, say, for instance, you encounter a spirit in a haunted house. Right. And it's uh, one that's a very negative spirit. In that case, you're not going to hang around and ask what it wants because <laughs> you're going to be frightened out of your wits. So in them kind of cases, I simply say, get out of the house yourself. Leave, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are spirits that can do great physical harm to people. Those are the ones I don't want to meet presentation we're going to be talking about a house in Woodstock uh, Connecticut which is almost on the Massachusetts border very interesting case <coughs> Mrs. Florence Viner who was uh, I think she was Miss Connecticut or Miss she was, she Miss, was Connecticut Miss Connecticut at one time mm-hmm. very pretty looking lady and she got so he's talking about ladies in front of his lady yeah shut up yeah see <laughs> you want to see a ghost I'll show you <laughs> they bought this old inn an old revolutionary inn it was not realizing it that it was very haunted and soon after they moved in they had the farm hands some of them who would live upstairs in this home and uh, the farm hands would go to bed with knives under their pillows one even had a gun and they said well why do you have knives why do you have guns and they said well we're frightened to stay up there mrs viner she said frightened of what they told her that, you know, the doors would open and close, uh, the beds would shake, uh, they were scared, they would hear somebody running up the stairs, mm-hmm. uh, they would hear what sounded like a fight between two men going on, they would hear... Hold on a second. Can you imagine, in your house, you're sitting there and all of a sudden, it sounds like two wrestlers just beating the shit out of each other upstairs? It'd be pretty amazing. Like, what the fuck would you do, though? Like, <laughs> you're, you're, like, laying in bed, and all of a sudden you hear, like, something fall over in the next room, and you hear, you Take my Undertaker! <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> what the fuck? Bone saws, ready? Yeah, was, was that Macho Man? What the fuck is... <laughs> I don't know, maybe that would be kind of cool. <laughs> it would be awesome. Yeah, that'd be awesome. A clash of swords, and uh, this would really frighten them. So, one night, she was home alone, and her husband didn't come home yet. She was waiting for him to come home. And all of a sudden, she heard... Something opened the door, pounding on the door, opened the door, footsteps ran up these stairs. Then she heard what sounded like a fight between two men and then two thumps. Well, she said that, you know, she was so frightened, she went in and she got her 22 revolver. Jeez. She went upstairs, but she couldn't find anything. Came down again and... I mean, a 22 out of everything, really? Well, listen, the mob used to use it. That's what That was their gun of choice. And the yeah, reason is, is because just bounce around inside yeah, of you. Exactly. It's a little itty bitty bullet. Does a lot of damage. Uh, Maybe ghosts. Then she told you know? about other incidents <laughs> occurring where um, she would be lying in bed. So we're getting close to the part she would where hear this chimes loud, roaring in. sound. She said it sounded almost like a foundry. Hmm. And uh, her husband wouldn't hear a thing. He would be almost like in a state of thantomania, paralyzation. He was, she couldn't even wake him up. 
Then she would see this here glow, uh, and it would form into a ball, electromagnetic ghost ball. And then yeah. it would go into a cigar shape, and she'd see this dark form moving all around the room, a shadow ghost. But I think it's important, um, Tony, to realize, or for our viewers to realize, like Ed just gave reference to her husband and how he was affected. Mm -hmm. That is very, very common. The majority of the cases that are brought to our attention, they will tell us the woman of the house. Remember that women are more sensitive, so women Lorraine, perceive things. Lorraine, I have to correct things. you. They're not patients. They're clients. If they're <laughs> patients, they'd be in a mental institution. <laughs> what, what patients? You said patients, didn't you? No. <laughs> love and marriage, love and marriage. Did you have a car? <laughs> Did she say patience? I thought she said client. I no, she, she didn't say any of it. Yeah, I don't think she said yeah. either one of those, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think Ed's just looking for a reason to... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, you know, some of these people that he would talk to, these, uh, you know, clergymen and whatnot, you know, some of them would say, um, I'll tell them to go see a psychiatrist. Or others say... I go to the house and I bless it. And if the blessing didn't work, I'd say a mass. And if the mass didn't work, I'd perform the rite of exorcism. But many Catholic priests interviewed by Ed um, didn't even believe there is a devil. And yet all this material is part of Catholicism's teaching. It is in the Bible. With every 10 words, you have a psychic word like apparition, ghost, devil, demon, evil. It's all in the Bible. Uh, everything that they talked about, you know. So the uh, New England uh, Society for Psychic Research, um, their work is um, based in religion, but also uses science. People have uh, said to the Warrens, oh God, you go into a house and you look for devils? Like, oh, you know. And Ed's response is pretty much just always, you're damn right I look for devils. That's right. So he says, you're damn right. That's what we do. Right. And I look, and, uh, look for everything else too. And I have the scientists with me and they're looking for something else. And we get together and we talk and straighten the whole thing out. Nobody can bring us into a house and fool us. You couldn't tell us that your house is haunted and get away with it because I'm the biggest skeptic going. Like I was saying earlier, um, I have to see it, I have to hear it, and I have to feel it with, this, uh, the, with the physical sense. So medical doctors, researchers, police officers, nurses, college students, housewives, all dedicated members who volunteer their services for the NESPR, which is the New England... NISPR. Yeah, the New England Society for Psychic Research. Psychic research. That sounds um, like a club that would be fun to hang out. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> imagine the stories they tell. Man, oh, God. I run a campfire. Oh, yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. Um, Lorraine, and, shut up. <laughs> I'm telling a story. Well, man, I don't want to hear from you. Um, <laughs> and uh, they they don't charge for their services either. So that's kind of cool, which I thought was, uh, you know, they just ask for expenses to be covered. And I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. They do that in the movie, too. They, or they explain that in the movie. Oh, like really? they portray that in the movies. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of neat. Now I'm going to start getting <clears throat> some more stuff here, but uh, I want to take a quick break and uh, go out and, uh, you know, you guys have a little, little commercial break here and uh, we'll be right back. This summer, grab the family and $5 a piece and you can partake on the haunted bear ride of Sandusky. Across the treaded, scary waters of Lake Erie, where you will see diapers, sewage, and disgusting debris floating up beside the boat. Do not be frightened. I will make sure you return to the dock in one piece. <laughs> All right, and we are Bizak. Your uh, your vocal pitch is a little high there. That a little one. bit higher. So for anybody that, you know, so they know, we were on our break outside and uh, 
your son being the amazing soccer player he is kicked a line drive well, i would say how many yards do you think that was probably 40 yards probably easily yeah, yeah. right in your junk yeah 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 so you're like hey guys to be fair yeah. it bounced once so he yeah. had time to move <laughs> he did have time but to yeah, move. but you know <laughs> he just watched it happen and was like, <laughs> literally just, it was like slow motion we'll, we'll just deal with it i thought it was gonna bounce and like you know i was gonna like head it or something <laughs> cool and well i guess i did technically all right so back talking about ed and lorraine warren here so um they also have a museum that you can actually check out if you're into you know creepy shit like we are and um so the description this description is taken from their official website so they actually have a website which not to negate them in any way shape or form because you know they're no longer no longer with us but it's pretty bad and there's misspellings all over the place and it, uh, have they passed on yeah yeah she actually just passed away in april of this year okay i didn't know that he now passed. they're haunting people yeah right yeah it's gone so circle. is the museum you're referring to is that the one that's in the movies where they have all the stuff in yes. the glass cases yeah, in their house it's a legit thing okay like he actually has it you can look online and you can see like and, and i'll explain to you why they have all the stuff too you know okay I mean? so um, the Warren's Occult Museum is the oldest and only museum of its kind. This world-renowned museum has attracted hundreds of thousands of visitors from across the world. Inch for inch, their museum houses the largest array of obscure and haunted artifacts, items used in extremely dangerous occult activities and diabolical practices around the world. To touch one of these items would be the opposite of touching something holy, something blessed. So they basically they tell you when you're in there, like in uh, The Conjuring, the guy's like, don't touch it. Yeah. You know, and he's just because what they claim is that these artifacts and stuff, they are what hold the demons or entities or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, we've talked before about um, how we wanted to do a uh, an episode on uh, on no, 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 what are the haunted items and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like yeah. antiques and right. whatnot. So that's per basically what this is. So this is essentially what the Ghostbusters had that they threw on the floor and that vacuum thing just whoosh, and then they put it in the big containment unit yes and you remember the asshole city guy shut it down yes shut it down i was a dick in every movie he was wasn't he <laughs> um you see the shadow doll you can see the shadow doll that can come to you in your dreams and stop your heart see the satanic idol found in the deep woods of connecticut the conjuring mirror used for summoning spirits um you see how it says used for summoning spirit yeah and, and they're in it i literally copied and pasted that like there's just hor so many grammatical errors well he was probably busy yelling at lorraine while he's typing it <laughs> just learn how to use it where's the mashed potatoes um you can see the vampire's coffin used by a modern day vampire bear witness to um the raggedy and doll which is responsible for a death of a young man and multiple attacks on those who once mockingly came in contact uh, you can see masks used as a topa for diabolical for a diabolical pro projection. Diabolical, yeah, yeah, yeah. For diabolical, you're right. Child tombstones that were used as satanic altars. A famous organ that plays by itself. That you is also, awesome. Yeah, you will also see uh, psychic photography, pictures that would combust, and crucifixes that were malevolently thrown from walls and desecrated. Egyptian and African cursed items, death curses, a shrunken head, possessed toys, and animals. Um, yeah, the possessed stuff is what I want to get into one of these days. Voodoo, fertility, and other killer dolls. This would be amazing to get locked in that room. Like if they want to be assholes, like you, let's say like you wrong the Warrens, you know what I mean? Like whatever. They just grab you. They throw you in the room. They lock the door and you're stuck with all of this crap in there. But but it, it, you brought up a good point here. Uh, let me get through this real fast. Uh, one of the most uh, famous artifacts, the Annabelle doll, 
uh, will be on exhibit. Annabelle is believed to be responsible for the death of an individual who came into contact with it. This doll also reportedly slashed a grown man several times across the chest. She terrorized a family for months until the Warrens and an Episcopal priest were called in and an exorcism was performed. Although Annabelle has been exorcised several times, it is believed that some energy is still attached to this doll. Now, you kind of touched on something a second ago. Remembering Ghostbusters. Yeah. Where they had all that shit. And, or all the ghosts and whatever, and they had them locked in the chamber or whatever it was right. you know, that they built. And that guy came in and was like, shut it down, and everything escaped. Yeah, Couldn't that theoretically, if this, let's just say that this was, all these things were possessed and were whatever, isn't that kind of what that is? In an ideal situation, a tornado would hit that house, grab all the items, throw them up in the air for miles, and just spread it across the world. Right, next thing you know. And then it's like... It's chaos. Sigourney Weaver is Zool, and you don't know what's going on. <laughs> right, it's chaos. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it could happen. So speaking of Annabelle, dun, 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 let's start talking about some of their famous investigations, all right? Annabelle Higgins. Donna got Annabelle, a Raggedy Ann doll, which you said earlier during our break that it was actually... Um, the In the movies, it's like some ceramic doll or whatever, but it's actually an old school Raggedy Ann doll. My sister had one of those yeah. as a little kid. Which explains a lot because I feel like she's possessed now. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, and and I, where were those dolls made? Is that in here? Ah, uh, you know, I don't know. But she got it from her mother in 1970. So, mom bought the used doll. It was used, so it had to obviously come out, you know, before then. Um, she got the used doll at a hobby store. Donna was a college student at the time and living with a roommate named Angie. And at first, neither thought the doll was anything special. But over time, they noticed Annabelle seemed to move on her own. At first, it was really uh, subtle, just changes in positions, the uh, kind of things that could be written off as the doll being jostled. But the movement increased, and within a few weeks, it seemed to become fully mobile. The girls would leave the apartment with Annabelle on Donna's bed and return home to find it on the couch. Okay. Now, me, the first time that thing fucking moves, gone. You wouldn't, it's a doll. You wouldn't like rip the head off and the stuffing no, go everywhere. Just throw it in the garbage. Peace. Gone. Yeah. Now, remember uh, our guest Sarah that had the poltergeist? That was a doll too. Remember? Right. That she ended up throwing away and then everything stopped. Well, that's what I'm saying. Get rid of the damn thing. Yeah. So dolls are bad. I guess dolls are bad. What were you, you going to say there, Riley? Um, I was just going to say that I don't think that the. I don't know. I you know how skeptical I am at this whole thing. I don't think the thing stopped because she threw the doll away. I think she well, thought things stopped because she threw the doll away. You're talking about Sarah? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. Like the things like the the ghost didn't go away because the the doll was thrown away. She thought the ghost went away because the doll was thrown away because she was thinking the ghost the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's right. the way I think of it. All right. And it's possible. Guys. Psychology, man, you know. Yeah. Um, their friend Lou hated the doll. He thought there was something deeply wrong with it, something evil, evil like the fruits of the devil. <laughs> but the girls were uh, modern women and didn't believe that sort of thing. Uh, there must be an explanation, they reasoned, but soon Annabelle's actions got even weirder. Donna began to find pieces of parchment paper in the house with messages written on it, help us, they would say, or help Lou. Just to make the whole thing that much creepier, nobody in the house had parchment paper. Where, where the hell was the parchment paper coming from? Nice. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. Anyway. And the ghost made a stop to pack its hands before yeah. he showed they up. They crafted it out of stuffing. I carry it with me everywhere I go. Yeah. Why? To fuck with you. <laughs> to leave notes. The escalation continued. One night, Donna returned home to find Annabelle in her bed with blood on her hands. The blood, or some sort of red liquid, seemed to be coming from the doll itself. That was enough. 
Donna finally agreed to bring in a medium. The sensitive, um, the sensitive sat, I guess they call medium sensitives as well, sat with the doll and told the girls that long before their apartment complex had been built, there had been a field on that property. A seven-year-old girl named Annabelle Higgins had been found dead in that field. Her spirit remained, and when the doll came to the house, the girl latched onto it. She found Donna and Angie to be trustworthy. She just wanted to stay with them. She wanted to be safe with them. Being sweet, nurturing types, they were both nursing students. Donna and Angie agreed to let Annabelle stay with them. And that's when all hell fucking broke loose. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, now I get it. So, so the medium comes in, which, you know, you got to take all that shit with a grain of salt anyway. But the medium comes in and says, uh, you know, she actually just wants to be your friend. The fuck? How does she? How does she fucking know? You know what I mean? And next because thing you know, fucking rule. <laughs> so next thing you know, this thing's coming in and just doing all kinds of crazy shit. So anyway, Lou started having bad dreams. Dreams where Annabelle was in his bed, climbing up his leg as he lay frozen, sliding up on his chest. Um, and closing her stuffed hands around his throat, choking him out. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, he would wake up terrified, head pounding like all blood had, had been cut from his brain. You know, he was just, he was fr- fucking freaking out and worried about the the other, you know, the two girls. So a few days later, he and Angie were hanging out, planning a road trip when they heard something moving around in Donna's room. They froze. Was it a break-in? Could it be, you know, the wrestlers fucking, you know, just body slamming? He- Hexaw Jim Duggan? Yeah, freaking woo! <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, dude, I remember Hacksaw. Yeah, Hit yeah. a two by four. Yeah. Hey, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, was there an intruder in the apartment? Lou crept over to the door, listening uh, to rustling within. He threw open the door and everything was as it should be, except Annabelle was off of the bed and sitting in a corner. As he approached the doll, Lou was consumed with that um, that feeling, a burning on the back of the neck that indicates someone was staring at you and he spun around. So he got the chills. You know, something was looking at him. Nobody was there. The room was empty and then sudden pain on his chest. He looked in his shirt and saw a series of raking claw marks, rough ditches in his flesh that burned. He knew that Annabelle had done it. Real quick, um, where is this Annabelle Higgins little girl murder or death? Is that part of the movie? Or is that supposed to be real? It's supposed to be real. This is all. This is all an actual real I incident. I can't find a single shred of evidence that Annabelle Higgins ever existed. And I was actually going to say that I didn't get a chance to do that, but this is this is the investigation. So, and it's in uh, it's in Connecticut, right? It, nothing so far. I've I've done lots. I've googled every kind of thing I can think of, and so far, not a thing. There's no like reports of a seven year old girl dying named Annabelle Higgins or anything like that. It's funny you mentioned that too, because there is n- like no no audio samples from these guys. However, in The Conjuring 2, they used real audio that they had from Ed and Lorraine. Hmm. But like, if you go online and look like that interview that I had is literally it. Huh? Well, maybe it's in their uh, museum. Maybe everything's locked away. Maybe they just found a way to, you know, make some money. Yeah. (laughs) So the weird claw marks began healing almost immediately. They were totally gone in two days. They uh, were like no wounds. Any of them had ever seen before. They knew they needed more help and they turned to an Episcopalian priest who turned, who in turn, called in Ed and Lorraine Warren. Dun, 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 here they come. It didn't take long. Um, it didn't take the Warrens long to come to the, their conclusion. There was no ghost in this case. There was an inhuman spirit, a demon attached to the doll. Again, these whole things being possessed by things. But they warned that the doll wasn't possessed. Demons don't possess things. Only people. 
It was clinging to the doll, manipulating it in order to give the impression of a haunting. The target was really Donna's soul. Ooh. This sounds so just like this is supposed to all be like legitimate. It just sounds like a movie script to me, at least. Listen, man, I'm just telling you what's happening. What do you think, Jeff? I don't know yet. I, I need more <laughs> info here. So a priest uh, performed an exorcism on the apartment and the Warrens took possession of the doll. They put it in a bag and began to, uh, the long drive home. Ed agreed to stay off of the highways because there was a concern that the demon might fuck with the car. And at 65 miles an hour, that would be disastrous. And sure enough, as they drove on the back roads, the engine kept cutting out. The power steering kept failing and even the brakes gave them trouble. Ed opened the bag, sprinkled the doll with holy water, and the disturbances stopped for the moment. So why not just bathe the doll and like put the doll in a holy water bin like they do with like uh these like uh, dunk it yeah what are they called um um like when they were uh you take formaldehyde and you put like the old like fetuses and skulls and stuff in those things like put it in that yeah like of just yeah, holy like water vat. yeah i don't know i would have just doused in gasoline and set it on fire word i mean like done well, see the problem with that is and, and and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that but the problem is is that when you supposedly when you destroy a possessed item that attaches to something else it attaches yeah. to something else so yeah. it's not like you're you're not you're not getting rid of that certain possession you're getting rid of the item they're possessed to right pos- possessing whatever right probably are fucking words all right so ed left the uh, doll next to his desk it began levitating uh, that happened a couple of times, and then it seemed to just quit, finally laying quiet. But in a couple of weeks, Annabelle was back to her old tricks. She started appearing in different rooms in the Warren home. Sensing that the doll was ramping um, back up, the Warrens called in a Catholic priest to exercise Annabelle. The priest did not take it seriously, telling Annabelle, You're just a doll. You can't hurt anyone. Big mistake. On his way home, the priest's brakes failed, and his car was totaled in a horrible accident. But he survived. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, the Warrens built a locked case for Annabelle, and she resides there to this day in their museum. In their their museum of the occult, the uh, locked case seems to have uh, kept the doll from moving around. But it seems like that, um, like whatever terrible entity is attached to it, is still there waiting. Just you know, kind of waiting to fuck some shit up. Um, so it is still there. It's still in the, the their their you know museum or whatever. Where you can actually go and see this doll. You can look online and see pictures of it. If I'm not mistaken, at the end of Annabelle the movie, um, they seem to do this with all the Conjuring's, where they'll have like you know the the audio feeds and like the evidence and whatnot. I think at the end of Annabelle, when the credits are going, it shows like the actual Raggedy Ann doll in the glass oh, case. It? Like yeah, it's yeah, got the sepia tone on it. Yeah, <laughs> like the picture, you know. It's I haven't seen that, yeah, so I have no cool. idea. Um, all right, so here's here's one I actually didn't know about, um, which is it's kind of funny that that they, they both kind of stem from the 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 Conjuring movie. Um, it's the the Perrin family 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 family. It's time. a Perrin family haunting around these parts. Um, so it, you know, basically, it just big bold things. It says, "Get out, get out! I'll drive you out with death and gloom." And obviously, this was not the welcome that the young Perrin family expected when they moved into their dream home. But that was the warning that greeted Carolyn Perrin when she, her husband Roger, and their five children moved into what they thought was a charming old farmhouse in rural Rhode Island. Okay, so that's basically the start of the conjuring. Right. Right. Um, it was the winter of 1970. Locals called the house the old Arnold estate. Hey, you know old Arnold up there, that son of a bitch. And it quickly unleashed its anger on its new tenants. 
Carolyn Perrin told the uh, Providence Journal she was awakened soon after uh, moving in by a very tall woman in an old gray dress with her head hanging to the side, resembling a sack of uh, cobwebs. It was she who delivered the ominous warning that the parents needed to find another place to live. So this bitch is coming out and saying, you gotta, you should roll. You, what's the matter? Did you hear? It's gotta be the dog. Or is it Annabelle? <laughs> no, it's Lucy. That would be amazing if we open the door and there's a little doll just standing there. For all of you listeners out there, um, uh, my wife and I actually have two dogs. Uh, we have Charlotte and Lucy. Um, uh, Lucy is, 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 I'm pretty sure she has, uh, um, um, uh, she's autistic. I think she's like the first autistic dog ever in the world. And she's just very goofy. And I don't mean autistic people are goofy. I'm just saying she has like learning disabilities is what I'm saying. So she's outside the uh, studio right now, scratching at the door and freaking the shit out of everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about Annabelle and hauntings. So anyway, it was called the Gold Arnold Estate. And basically, you know, this old lady came out and said, you know, you got to spooking the shit out of everybody and you got to you got to get the hell out of here. So um, when the parents initially moved in, there was no indication of a nefarious presence until things went missing and objects seemed to move on their own. The parent family children began to notice spirits in the house. At first, there were only a few harmless spirits, but soon they became resentful. Carolyn conducted her own historical research on the house and uncovered eight generations of one family which had lived there. Many of them died mysterious or horrible deaths at the farm, which, you know, I mean, for eight generations, yeah, some shit's going to go down. Someone's um, going to get ran over by a combine. Right. right. Sorry about that, Merle. <laughs> um, some committed suicide. Others were murdered. And, uh, and, and uh, some children died by drowning. Um, Andrea Perrin, the oldest of the Perrin children, later recalled that her mother's research was valid because virtually every entity we were able to name had as living beings either died by their own hand or died so traumatic a death and uh, so sudden a death that they didn't seem to know they were dead. Ooh. Yeah. So Carolyn decided her ghostly nemesis was a woman named Bathsheba. Do they mention that in the movie? Yes. They do mention it? Yes. Um, Who was born in Rhode Island in 1812 in the 2013 movie The Conjuring based on the parent family's haunting. Bathsheba is said to have practiced witchcraft, sacrificing her baby to the devil before hanging herself from a tree in the backyard. In the movie, Bathsheba tries to possess the living and force them to repeat her grisly crime. That's kind of fucked up. Yeah, so they do that in all their movies. So, like, the second one is Valak, which is the actually the nun. So, you know how they have to spin off the nun? Yeah. That demon's name is Valak, and that is the, not to spoil it, but I'm sure people have seen it. In The Conjuring 2, they go over to England, and there's a possessed girl, like an exorcism deal. Mm-hmm. And Valak, which is the nun, is the one who's possessing the girl. Oh, that's The Conjuring 2? Yes. Okay, really good. Really good all movie. Right. I liked it. So, Bathsheba Thayer... Which sounds like you're saying my last name as Mike Tyson. Um, <laughs> you know, Jonathan Thayer. <laughs> Have you seen the Family Matters video where they replaced all the faces <laughs> with Mike Tyson's? <laughs> yes. Not to get yeah. off on a side note, yes. but if you guys haven't seen it, YouTube it. It's it's amazing. It's the Tyson or Tyson Tyson Family Matters or something no. or Tyson Matters. It, it was a uh, ah. Uh, with Danny Tanner, what was that show called? Full, Full House. House. But they also did Family Matters. Oh, did they really? Yeah, it's oh, amazing. I saw the Full House one. The Full House one was hilarious. So basically, they're saying Beth, she, Beth, <laughs> Beth Salts. Bathsheba Thayer was a real woman. Riley, research that. Got you. Bathsheba, Bathsheba Thayer was a real woman. Records indicate she married a man named Judson Sherman and had four children, three of whom died in childhood. But at least one historian 
says she gets a bad rap in The Conjuring. Jamais Rubio, Jamais Rubio, writes about the real Bathsheba Sherman in a well-researched blog. Um, Rubio says that the parent house may in fact be haunted, but that Bathsheba is no witch. Childhood deaths were not uncommon in the 19th century, and Rubio finds no evidence that any of the children um, that she lost were murdered. All three children are buried nearby in Harrisburg, Rhode Island Cemetery. Bathsheba and her husband are buried there too. Something Rubio says that the pious 19th century town would never have allowed if they believed she was a practicing dark, you know, practicing witch. Um, Burner. Burner at the stake. <laughs> oh, she gonna die. <laughs> but the story of this haunted house is based on the memories of another person, Carolyn's eldest daughter, Andrea Perrin. Andrea wrote about her family's um, years living with spirits in a, <clears throat> excuse me, in the three volume series, House of Darkness, House of Light. Now, I have not read this, so I, I don't know. Have you read it? No. Okay. You just watch the movies, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm not I a reader. To, I like to read. What do you got, really? <clears throat> By the way, uh, this Bathsheba Thayer was her birth name. She then married a man named Sherman. That's his last name. And then they. Were that's, you not listening? That's where she got the name. I'm saying relax. <laughs> so then that's about. That's that's the end of like what they know for sure. Like the everything else is speculation. So there's nothing on, on there saying like it's documented that she was like in the witch trials or anything nope. like that. Okay. All they know is that a child might have died in her care, but then they don't even know if that's true. And like, right, that's what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So oh, again, it's literally just a name and a person that existed, but li- no other details are known. It's like they spun a wheel. Yeah, that one sounds fucking creepy. Bathsheba Thayer. Let's do that one. <laughs> I like it. In the family's accounting of their years in the house, Bathsheba resorted to more than threats. She got physical, starting with pinches and slaps and working up from there. Carolyn was the ghost's chief target, and the family says she was ultimately threatened with images of fire and even stabbed with a knitting needle. Despite being the most violent, Bathsheba was far from the only spirit tormenting them. Tormenting them. The parent family experienced an overpowering smell of flesh rotting and watched as beds rose from the floor. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. No. No, sir. Not doing I'm t- <sighs> No. The, the, listen, the doll moving is one thing. Right. But smelling fle- rotting flesh and watching beds rise up off it. Dude, I'm out. I'm that's, out. That's rough. Like, you that's know, a, that's a serious ghost. Right and if there. the kids aren't in the car fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. Sorry, really. <laughs> wow. Uh, sometimes the heating system would fail mysteriously and uh, forcing Roger to enter the basement, which the parents believed was inhabited by a spirit, um, which is in the conjuring, right? Yes. It was the basement that was like all fucked up or whatever. Because it was behind the wall, the fake wall. Yes. And the conjuring, too. Believe it or not, oh, the basement really? was kind of like the key spot. It has to do with faulty housework, right? So if you're going to build a house, you got to make sure it's right. You wouldn't want to build it out of candy, right? What about my dreams? Edith, I told you I can't build your candy house. It will fall down. The sun will melt the candy. It won't work. <laughs> you were just waiting for a way to shoehorn he that was, in. He was totally looking for it. That no, was it, just, it, it prompted itself, and I, I displayed it. So so the parents, the parents didn't move. Okay, so even though this shit's going on, they didn't move, but they did get professional help into Lorraine and Ed Warren. Now, yeah, but also in that time, and who knows the situation, maybe they, they couldn't afford it. I mean, you hear about this all the time, like 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 Pol- Poltergeist, right? The movie. Right. They had just built the damn house. They put all their money into it. They're still constructing it. They're ma- building the pool and doing stuff in the house. And eventually, yes, they left. But in the beginning, 
imagine you, you you get a mortgage and you move into a house and all your shits in boxes and you're building, you're painting, you're doing this and that. And guess what? You rolled the bad dice and you got ghosts. Uh, it's not like you could just like get up and leave that day. I mean, obviously, there's a lot that goes into no, that. There's probably a and lot if you're to not it. if you don't but make a lot of money, in, if, if your family's in danger, you know what I mean? Like you're 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 going to you're I don't know. I guess there's that thin line there. Like if your family's in danger, what do you do? Yeah. But the old timey farmer type. You know? Right, right. So, despite the film's portrayal of Carolyn seeking out help, the Warrens came uh, to the rescue of the parents in the um, in their battle with Bathsheba Thayer. Um, every time I say that, I just just think Jonathan Thayer. Bathsheba. <laughs> they were brought in by a uh, paranormal group in Rhode Island. Um, Lorraine later claimed that the hauntings were caused by the parents' lack of religious faith. So that's what she believed that the hauntings were actually there for. So the Warrens were consultings, uh, consultants on The Conjuring. Lorraine even appeared in a cameo role uh, directed by Saw's James Wan. The film received uh, positive reviews from critics and grossed over $319 million worldwide. The Warrens reports in uh, on the DeFeo murder house and the parents inspired the movie. So it was two separate things that they had that actually inspired the entire movie. Um, but in reality, according to Andrea, uh, hold on, but in the movie, in the film, they successfully cleansed the you know, the house of evil spirits. But in reality, according to Andrea, the Warrens never drove the ghosts away; only aggravated them. Yeah, the Warrens Playing tried to fire. <laughs> the Warrens tried to help, but we essentially found things got worse around them. One horrible night. After the Warren's arrival, Carolyn was possessed by Bathsheba. A seance conducted by Lorraine caused Carolyn to speak a strange language and levitate in her chair. It lasted several hours, and Carolyn's body distorted until they de-demonized her. Both Andrea and Cindy Perrin were hiding, but witnessed everything and the, quote, the power of evil in this life. At the end of the night, Roger worried about Carolyn's mental stability throughout the Warren's. Although the movie portrays the haunting ending that night, the true story did not end there. The parents continued to live in the house after the seance because they couldn't afford to move. Eh, we were just talking about that. See? They couldn't afford to move. That eh, makes sense. They had to learn how to live with as many as nine spirits. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, kids. Yeah. Dad's got a shit job and mom's not working. Yeah. You're going to have to deal with this. So your new brothers and sisters. <laughs> yeah, right. How do you identify the separate spirits? Like, how do you know? Do they do different things? Oh, sure. Or is it possible that one spirit's just fucking with you real real hard? Maybe they're all fucking insane. Like he's got split personalities. Yeah, there's the one no main such spirit. thing as demons. Wow. There's not? There's not. This is all BS. Ed and Lorraine Warren were cashing in on a mental ill mentally ill person. How are they cashing in if they never charged anything? They and made it money, that. royalties, and all this off the Conjuring and stuff. They got to They had to have been making money. They were somehow. almost dead by that time. How did that they movie support themselves throughout all this? Did they have real jobs. Yeah. What they do? Ed shoveled snow. <laughs> Lorraine. <laughs> Lorraine did uh, cupcakes at the bake sale. The PTA. <laughs> all right. So in 1980, after a decade of horrors, they finally sold the farmhouse and fled to Georgia, bidding goodbye to Bathsheba and the other spirits, or so they thought. In Andrea Perrin's three-volume history on her um, family's haunting, she reports a final twist. Many of the ghosts had grown attached to the family and came with them, haunting them for years to come. One horrific night after the Warrens arrival... Uh, oh, wait. We already talked about that one. <laughs> Sorry, I haven't doubled up in here. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So, so basically, just uh, again, like they can uh, supposedly these spirits can actually attach to people as well as certain entity or uh, items. That's right. why I don't like antique shopping. You know what I mean? You go in those stores 
And there's items in there from like the turn of the century, some really creepy shit, like little canisters and weird stuff. And if that's haunted and you pick it up like, oh, this is cool. Guess what? It's attached to you. You're taking it home and you're going to deal with it. <laughs> that's it. I'm burning it. Yes. All right. So now um, I, I just wanted to touch on a couple of these things. Um, I loved the movie, The Amityville Horror. Which one? The original. The original. So not the one with Ryan Reynolds. See, I, I like I kind of have a man crush on Ryan Reynolds, so I totally, you know what I mean? I, I like that one. It was cool. Like, I don't care. I'm, who who did that one? Uh, your mom. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm trying to think of who somebody I famous don't know, like directed it. Yeah, because I saw that in something recently. Oh, I don't know. But, I saw that. And I was shocked. I was like, recently. I was like, that person did that movie? I, the I, Ryan I Reynolds know. one or the original one? Uh, Ryan Reynolds. It one. was directed by, I'll tell you in a second. Riley, come on, man. I'm sorry, guys. That's gross. Dude. Oh, my God. Not as bad as you earlier. We'd light a candle in here. You just blew your butthole out. Andrew Douglas. Yeah. <laughs> that means nothing <laughs> See, to anyone. I told you. <laughs> I told y'all. Who the fuck is Andrew Douglas? You know, dude, he did the Amityville Horror, the one with Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Name one more movie. One more, Jeff. I, just, I got a list. I'm waiting, too. I, I definitely uh, the hunt for the red October. If this is right, no, he didn't. Um, because I fucking rule. <coughs> no, you're looking at it right now, aren't you? No, he's directed four movies, one of which doesn't even have a picture. <laughs> I told you, you guys don't believe me, man. He did a movie called "You Want to Kill Me," but it's that was before the hunt for the red October. That was in 2013, right? Before it. Where are you right now? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So the Amityville house on the evening of November 13th, 1974, Ronald DeFeo Jr. ran into a local bar and yelled for help, saying that his parents had been shot. <laughs> Picture that. You're just sitting there like having a good time with drinks and some raggedy guy comes kicking through. Door. Hey, there's ghosts in the house. Y'all got to come help me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he ran in there. Several bar patrons accompanied DeFeo back into the, uh, to the family home. With pitchforks? With, with, and with, torches. And, and torches. torches. Yes. I hope. Let's hope. We, yeah, we really do got to get a, a good mob going. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, so if anyone wants to be in a part of our uh, our, our mob, that'd you be have awesome. to have overhauls that are raggedy. Yeah. First of all, it's just angry mob and you have to dress like the part. And then we're just going to go to somebody's house and just tell them that we want Frankenstein. And we're just going to scream like every time he says anything, we're just going to yell. Right. Right. That's and, it. And just just for Frankenstein. Yep. So that's, I think that's a great idea. Hey, that's a good Halloween thing we should do. That is a good Halloween yeah, thing. We should get it to occupy an innocent victim's house. <laughs> <laughs> Start the Facebook event. You want to go to jail? That's how you go to jail. Um, Joe Yeswit called Suffolk uh, County Police to report the crime. When poli um, the police arrived, they searched the home to discover that not just DeFeo's parents had been killed. All six other members of the family were dead. Some investigators were left puzzled by the position of the victims. Every single one of the members were found face down, lying on their stomachs in their beds. Ronald DeFeo uh, Sr., uh, Louise DeFeo, as well as their children, Dawn, Allison, Mark, and John Matthew. The parents had each been shot twice while the children received single shots. Riley, look that up. Ronald DeFeo, see if it's true. Okay. DeFeo is D-E-F-E-O. You got shot. 
Ba-ba. Shot, shot in the buttocks <laughs> is an American mass murderer who was tried and convicted for the 1974 killings of his father, mother, two brothers, and two sisters. Wow, so it's legit. Yeah, the case inspired the book and film versions of the Amityville Horror. Okay, well, Ronald, who had long gone by the nickname Butch, was relocated by local police for his own protection after suggesting to officers that the killings had been carried out by a mob hit. He told police that when he arrived home from work that evening, he discovered that someone had broken into the house and killed his family. All right, so this is the this is the guy here. Um, within the day, police exposed inconsistencies in his description of the events that had resulted in the end of his relatives' lives. The investigation revealed that the murders had occurred in the morning, and the accused hitman, Louis Fellini, had an alibi proving he was out of the state at the time of the killings. So, so this guy basically he killed well. So, so, uh, all right. So I listen to a lot of other different podcasts and stuff. And so when I listen to actual, like, um, 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 what do you call them? Uh, like investigation interrogations and stuff like that. Uh, you can always hear people deflecting. I am your father. That was that supposed to happen. <laughs> it was pretty epic. <laughs> I was waiting for a connection there. Like Jeff was going to. Yeah. That was me <laughs> leaning my arm on the button on accident. So, so anyway, there's deflection. There's always deflection there where somebody, because they know they did something wrong, they're going to try and pin it on everyone and try to make everyone around them look like they're guilty. Right. But then they also add so much extra bullshit that you don't listen. If you ever get popped by the cops and I'm, I'm talking to everyone out there and YouTube knuckleheads in here. If you ever get popped by the cops for something that's like something serious, don't give them too much information. Give them the information they asked for. That's it. Don't sit there and go, you know, yeah. Uh, so I had coffee and then I put cream in my coffee and then, cause it, then it looks like you're just you're spinning you, wheels. You're spinning wheels and you're trying to cover yourself. You right. know what I mean? And they can, they read through that shit. That's good advice, Riley. Yeah. So, you know, when you go on that haunted house date and the cops pull you over and wonder what you're doing with a 45 year old lady, taking my mom out don't spin the wheels <laughs> whoa what what the fuck did you that guy <laughs> so still defeo kept up the pretense that he was not responsible for the killings he claimed that fellini had and an accomplice had shown up at the house placed a gun against his head and forced him to watch as they killed his family by the end of the 24-hour period defeo gave up and confessed saying once i started I just couldn't stop. It went so fast. Like so, Pringles. So, yeah, once you pop, you can't stop. That's right. Yeah. That's kind of fucked up. Well. Anyway. I honestly think this 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 DeFeo guy who killed his whole family's story is way more interesting than... Well, that's why we're talking about it right now. Yeah, but, like, the background <laughs> of it's messed up. So, the eldest DeFeo child was arrested and sent to trial for the murders. During the trial, many alarming facts came to light, primarily concerning Ronald's mental disorders and his relationship with his father. That's where that Star Wars thing should have popped in. Yeah. Way to go, Jeff. I know. Uh, <laughs> Premature. Uh, yeah. Ah. Prior to the trial, investigators had been unable to discern a clear motive for the killings, but soon DeFeo's questions about his ability to collect his father's life insurance suggested what had encouraged him to act. Uh, the seemingly perfect sheen over the DeFeo family was revealed to be only an appearance during the trial. Although DeFeo's childhood was economically comfortable, he was far from content. His father was a domineering and abusive figure, often overpowering his mother's weak personality. Young Ronald grew up or grew into a troubled adult who suffered from alcohol and drug abuse. Of course, you know, whatever. Yeah. DeFeo relied heavily on heroin and LSD. Yeah, that'll do it. 
That did. Yeah, that'll that, make you wacky. Yeah, that's that's not that's not good stuff, folks. If you're out there doing heroin and LSD, please seek help. Like, stop Don't it. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Right. Don't let your dreams be dreams. <laughs> get help. Um, no, but seriously, if you are doing that shit, get the fuck off it. You're hurting everyone around you, you dumbass. All right. During his 1975 trial, DeFeo stated that he heard voices in his head that told him to kill his family. So it's kind of like the, uh, the, 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 what's his name? Uh, the son of Sam killer. The dog. Yeah. 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 Um, Berkowitz. Um, Did you ever notice like when all these things go down, it's always somebody telling that person to do it? You know, he, well, they're not going to take accountability for it. They're not going to be like, you know what? I just why, snapped. You know, out of all the crazies, why has there never been like a crazy that was just like, you know what? I just wanted to do it. Like, oh, there have it's been. always heat or this told me to do it or this thing Dude, possessed Bundy? me to do it. Bundy? Bundy never claimed yeah. that anything freaking... He, he straight up just... He just said, hey... Here he's I just am. just a murderer, dude. <laughs> Here yep, I am, That's world. it. That's it. He just... Well, he's got the whole psycho- psychological thing with his, his mom and then his, his girlfriend's girlfriend his in girlfriend, high school. Yeah. yeah. But that's not somebody... like It's not like his girlfriend was telling him to well, kill no, he people. he didn't blame it on that, but that's the reason. That's, you know... Right. Not justifying it, but that's kind of where he came from with all that. Right. So, a psychiatrist for the defense testified that uh, DeFeo had a dissociative disorder in an attempt to prove that DeFeo could have been experiencing an out-of-body experience when he murdered his family. However, a psychiatrist testifying for the prosecution, the other side of the table, successfully argued that DeFeo had an antisocial personality disorder, meaning he would have been fully cognizant of his crimes. So, they're saying, full of shit. You know what I love? And and I'm not 100% positive how this works. But when a crime like that happens, and you've got someone that killed multiple people, how is it that you can find, for the prosecution, you find a psychiatrist or a specialist that totally has the prosecution's back and confidently, you know, whatever, but so does the defense. (laughs) Like, how can you have completely two, like, you're practicing the same medicine basically you know what i mean you're both psychiatrists both psychologists whatever it is but yet you both have on the opposite sides of the spectrum completely yeah. opposite you know what it is money well that's that's i guess that's kind of <laughs> that's what i was getting component to. there yeah i was kind of getting to that but i didn't want to the thing that i would with the dissociative disorder and everything this that takes away the guilt and the blame like he didn't know what he was doing is that what they're trying to like kind of point out there right and of course if they claim that then you can go for an insanity plea and yeah. then you can't be the sentenced to death so the prosecution yeah. saying no he knew what he was doing and i think that's the case because he lied about some with a mob hit and all this right stuff. Well, of course he, he was, was he was he was trying to create again like i was talking about before he's he's writing his story he's allowing he's telling other people what the, he wants them to think and so the way i think of that is that self-preservation and a lot of those mental disorders you don't have that Correct. That that instinct. Of you don't have the preservation. Yeah, you yeah. don't have that. You're not able to do that. And so that right there, I feel like as a judge, I'd have been like, Yeah, right. Like <laughs> you just shot yourself in the you foot. Wrong, son. <laughs> you fired. Despite the defense's insanity plea, DeFeo was convicted of six counts of second degree murder in November in 1975 and sentenced to concurrent terms of 25 years to life for each murder. Um, oh, that's weird. That's all they gave him. That seems so light for 25 that. 25 years to life for each murder. That's yeah. that's concurrent, right? That's like it's forever. Concurrent. Yeah, he's in jail for the rest of his yeah, life. Yeah, but but it doesn't say without per, without um possibility of parole. So in other words, there there is a potential but chance. But it doesn't say with parole either though. It didn't specify either way. Yeah, research that real quick and find out what he got actual. Um the house remained vacant for 13 months after the murders, but on December 1975, George and Kathleen Lutz 
um, purchased the property for the bargain price of $80,000. I mean, that's a pretty good bargain considering that six people were just murdered in that motherfucker. Um, <laughs> hearing about the house's gruesome past couldn't stop the Lutz family from taking advantage of the incredible deal on such a lovely property. Oh. The couple quickly moved in with their three children and just as quickly moved the fuck out again. Go ahead. His appeals to the parole board have all been turned down. But he does have the... He has the possibility for parole, yeah, but they see. keep telling him yeah. no. Okay. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. Like, like why would you do... Yeah. No. <laughs> can, 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 I, can I get parole? No. Lucy, get back in your cell. No. <laughs> Um, anyway, so they moved out like just as fast. So despite having the house blessed by a Catholic priest before their move in date, the family was terrorized by unexplained phenomena for the entire duration of their stay in, um, it's 112 ocean Avenue. So we should, let's go to 112 ocean Avenue. By the way, Michael Bay produced the Amityville horror. He was the producer, not the director. So if you were looking for that, you're talking about Michael Bay. Okay. Hunt for red October. So if you're looking for that's not, (laughs) It's the same thing. It's not Michael Bay. Same thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The family alleged that they saw mysterious hoof prints in the snow, red demon eyes, slime pouring from the walls, and a hanging crucifix revolving in reversing direction before their very eyes. In January of 1976, my year of birth, the family abandoned the house, leaving everything behind. Ed and Lorraine were eventually called in to cleanse the house. And brought a local TV crew with them. After snapping photos, including one featuring a boy with glowing eyes, the Warrens determined that the land had curses on it. In a 2013 interview with Yahoo, Lorraine Warren said the Amityville House was the one case that haunts her the most. Quote, Amityville was horrible, she said during a press conference for The Conjuring. It was absolutely horrible. It followed us right straight across the country. I will never go in the Amityville House ever again. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Hey, uh, Riley, can you look up a picture of that? Yeah. I want to see uh, this uh, this uh, this photo that they took for, um, let's see. Yeah. Uh, after snapped, uh, snapping photos, including one featuring a boy with glowing eyes at the... Um, the Amityville house. I want to see that. So after experiencing the trauma of the haunted home, the Lutzes began to question just uh, what had driven. <laughs> what is it? Give me a break. Is it, is it horrible? It looks like a red eye. Just It's black and white. It's like literally just the reflection of the light on his eyes. <laughs> this is saying? a little kid peeking his yeah. head around the corner. A little kid peeking around the corner and they had a camera and it, the light Click. reflected off his eyes. <laughs> so, um, then again, if you're in the situation and yeah, endorphins yeah, yeah, are flowing, of course, and, right. you know what I mean? You're mental, you're mental, mental, yeah. mental, mental. Oh, it's all mental. That's all I'm here right now. Um, so they wanted to, they started to question what had actually made Ronald DeFeo do what he did. So had the hauntings existed before his crimes, or were they due to the horrific, horrific, horrific slaughter? <laughs> Sorry. After being put in contact with Jay Anson. A uh, writer, the Lutzes decided that their tale was worth being shared with the world. They offered around 45 hours of tape-recorded recollections to Anson, who used them for the basis for the book, The Amityville Horror, which is a fucking great, great movie. The original. The original yeah, movie yeah. was awesome. Like I said, the uh, the other one was... Eh, whatever. The book barely mentions DeFeo's murders, instead focuses on the 28 days the Lutz family spent at 112 Ocean Avenue. The novel chronicles the haunting events that the Lutz family experienced during their brief stint in their new home. They um, encountered strange odors, heard strange noises, and felt unexplained pockets of cold air. That seems to be an ongoing thing with that, too. Like, 
you know, when it comes to ghosts and if there's a ghost around that it's it's cold air. Right. You know what I mean? Like, couldn't it just be just, I don't know, chilly in that one spot? It's drafty in the house. Yeah. You know so what, I mean? what I've heard is uh, it's, it's you have uh, bad airflow in your house and you have a bad septic system. There you go. That explains the ghost right there. <laughs> the odor of, I don't know, septic doesn't really smell like rotting flesh. I don't know. You smell like rotting death sometimes. I, so. Well, that's because I like alcohol. Um, anyway, the Lutzes uh, continued to claim that the majority of the narrative was true, even if details like the green slime had been exaggerated. Nonetheless, the couple were hit by other legal troubles from their house's new owners, Jim and Barbara Cromarty. They never experienced anything paranormal and eventually grew sick of the paranormal tourists that would show up at their house at all hours of the night. The couple sued the publisher, Prentice Hall and Jay Anson, for invasion of privacy and in hopes that the subtitle of Anson's book, A True Story, and that's quotes, might be removed. They received an out-of-court settlement for their troubles. What what a bunch of dicks. Yeah, right. Like, that's just dick. We're not afraid. Let's go make some money. At the end of these seemingly never-ending court battles in September 1979, Judge Weinstein dismissed the Lutz's claims and stated in his ruling, based on what I have heard, it appears to me that a large extent the book is a work of fiction, relying in a large part upon the suggestions of Mr. Weber. Perhaps the story was a fabrication in order to profit from the public. Since the Lutz's left, since the Lutz's left, the house has had four owners and zero reported any hauntings. So, um, and it says, if you're looking to move into the infamous house, it is currently listed for $565,000. Because of the fame of it, yeah. And now um, it's changed its address to 108 Ocean Avenue. So, likely to avoid unpleasant associations. So, from 1979, directly, here we go. Right. It's the kind of house they don't build anymore. A relic of a time when the world wasn't in such a hurry, when there was still time for a little charm and elegance. It has stood empty for a long while, and at the price, it is a bargain. For a growing young family, it is almost too good to be true. What do you think? I love it. James Brolin, Margot Kidder, Rod Steiger in the Amityville Horror. God's peace in this house. cellar where the doors just opened on its own. Give us a sign that you want to communicate with us. Nothing. 
What are you guys? Well, we've been called ghost hunters, paranormal researchers. But we prefer to be known simply as Ed and Lorraine Warren. There's someone here that would like to talk to you. There's something horrible happening in my house. November 1st, 1971, I'm sitting here with Carolyn Perrin, who, with her family, has been experiencing supernatural occurrences. You're picking up anything in here, hon? Something awful happened here, Ed. What is it? Whatever Lorraine sees, feels, touches, it takes a toll on her. A little piece each time. You have a lot of spirits in here, but there's one that I'm most worried about because it is so hateful. That's not gonna help. This thing has latched itself to your family. Probably well, we never seen nothing like this. I'm coming with you. No way. I can't lose you. There's a lady in a dirty nightgown that I see in my dreams. She's standing in front of my mom's bed. We're back, uh, the Midnight Train podcast, and that was actually a um, the commercial for well, the trailer for The Conjuring, right? Yes. All right. And if, if you it intrigued you, I highly, highly recommend. Or even if it didn't, just to kind of follow up on everything we've discussed. I gotta tonight. finish watching it to be honest with you. Yeah, it's good. It, the second one is really good. So like, I've seen them all. The first one was good. It kind of like sets the sets the mood, sets the story up. But the second one was awesome like it was scary as shit it was good effects good storyline i mean it was really good two thumbs up on the on number two all right so let's let's talk about this right here with ed and lorraine warren now they have a lot of testimonial and a lot of audio and a lot of they have a lot of things that actually kind of they can't really be debunked it's hard to find though the audio the material yeah yeah yeah, that's out there they used it in the movie but the James people, Wong or whatever, he yeah. got them to bring the actual audio. So they're for obviously which movie? for the Conjuring, the original Conjuring, Conjuring one and two. See, when the credits roll, you get to see and hear all the uh, the actual footage, which right. is pretty cool. Hey, Riley, you going to switch back and forth over there, buddy? I'm trying to read the notes while also I'm, <laughs> don't worry about the notes. camera one, camera two, <laughs> camera one, camera gonna two. Keep going like this. We're, every teach, time, we're yeah. teaching Riley. We're Listen, teaching. I'm trying to read the notes. We're I'm trying Riley. to do research. Okay. We'll just put one it's camera okay. up in the corner. And, and by the way, day. before we, we go you know, any further uh, with this and close this out, um, Riley is still looking for his date. Oh, my God. For the haunted house. Absolutely. And people, time is closing oh, in. I mean, haunted right. houses are going to start opening up in a couple of weeks. Right. So I'm surprised they're not open yeah. already yet, to be honest with you. Listen, I know there's a listener out there right now that is sitting at home. Like, yeah, I wish I could go to a haunted house, but I just got no one to take and no one to protect me from the bad evil demons. Well, here's your opportunity. 
golden ticket, Willy Wonka style. Just <laughs> apply on our Facebook page. Willy Wonka style. You know, maybe maybe put in like something about you. You're like, you know, my name's Beth. I like to cook cupcakes. I'm going to get a 300 you may be a winner. essay attached. No. How about this? He's really not too picky at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you guys give me a lot of credit. Thank you. Thank you. So he's just, he's just looking for someone to go and hang out with. Now, listen, if, if you guys get a connection... If yeah. he sw- swipes right, then yeah, cool. It, oh my god! But but you know, if he swipes left, then I mean, no harm, no foul. You get That's to go right. to. A- I thought it was highest bidder. I don't think I don't. Do I not get a choice? Oh no, you get. Oh, it is highest bidder. Yeah, I don't get a choice. It is but I'm yeah. just saying. Well, no, ready to splash I'm the saying cash, right? we are running out of time. When so, you I mean, meet, is. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So right now we're at zero. That means if you pledged a dollar, yeah. Oh, Chainsaw's going to throw a bucket at you guys, and I'm going to be screwed. <laughs> do, you have a re- do you have a recent picture of him that we could put up on a post? Oh, for sure. Go to our like, YouTube channel. Oh, for sure. And, or yeah, or watch us on the YouTube. Yeah, yeah. 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 And just do a... But we need an actual post that people... Because no one's going to be like, go to the page and be like, oh, I was here for the uh, I've the got bidding. the perfect one. Absolutely. You're going to make an actual post. I, what one is it? It doesn't matter. I don't... It doesn't matter. And I would ask this of the listeners, too. If you are married and or not interested, can you please at least share it? when we put the post up because yeah, we, we want to get some we want to get some uh we want this to go viral we want you know everybody yeah, seeing it yeah i want to see we, we just want to see what riley uh yeah you know what kind of uh you know what kind of material he's gonna be you know That's coming right. in but remember though cash rules everything yeah. around me cream get the money dollar dollar bill yo and this man can kick a soccer ball i've he seen can. it he, firsthand he, he totally kicked me right in the balls today. from 40 yeah. yards out that's yeah. pretty impressive yeah. so like a sniper rifle he'd be a good bodyguard in the haunted house i think I totally give me a soccer ball i got you protected <laughs> he walks into the haunted house with a soccer ball <laughs> <laughs> Here for i got the you house. i got you so speaking of uh willy wonka i watch <laughs> what a weird sign i know i know i know but i had to, i just gotta say this so I, I saw a meme the other day and it fucking made me laugh so much. It was like, hey, grandpa can't get off his ass to go fucking work or anything <laughs> like that. One. He's yeah. like, but the second that golden ticket shows up, he jumps up and he's ready to get <laughs> And he's dancing and singing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. I so like anyway, uh, back to this. I am going to actually put something on the website, uh, first and foremost, for Riley. Nice. So Thanks, we, Dad. So we can, oh, of course. Son, do it. <laughs> I am here for you, son. Um, so, you know, so if anyone does want to go in there and pledge... We can totally do that. I'll try to have it up here within the next couple of days. And listen, if you don't have a lot of money, you know, times are tough. We get it. You know, maybe you're raising four kids, which Riley would love to be with you if that's the case. More kids, the better. I'm yeah. ready to be a stepdad. Exactly. He could teach soccer to these kids is what oh, I'm talking about. I'm going to so, be coach, dad. Even if you don't have all the money in the world and you're really interested, just just say, say, yeah, I'm interested. Say, I don't got a lot of loot, but I'm interested. We, we want to get, you know, we want to have options for sure. See, I think I think money rules. I think money does rule. But what about? But like, what but if like, it's true love is out there? Yeah. Just has well, no I mean, money. That, I guess that is true. So like, that here's a true. scenario. Let's say the highest bidder. I go on a date with them, right? Not, not didn't really hit it off like chainsaw. And I just don't really click the way, <laughs> you know, the way we, we the way we thought. Why would, we would you not click with chainsaw first uh, and foremost? Well, we'll see. <laughs> so then the second person the second highest bidder maybe i give that a shot too you know and chainsaw i know you're listening and you're probably laughing about this right now and i did pass along the information about the email that you had uh oh yeah provided yeah, yeah, some yeah, yeah, content yeah. to but these, to be honest i refuse to look at yeah, it i don't they, they want to know. look no, at I, it so. after those facebook i refuse to look at it me, I don't but just so you know i did follow through on my part yeah i i just didn't look at it so anyway and Lorraine Warren. <laughs> Where were we? Yeah, the train derailed real hard yeah, on that one. It usually um, does. Yeah. So, how do we feel about this? Like, like Jeff, uh, what do you what do you think about what they did and and the supposed well, I guess truth behind it? Yeah. So, I think a lot of it is embellished 
for the case of Hollywood and the movies and whatnot, obviously, like it always is. But I think there's something to these people. Obviously, they were a special kind of person, the two of them together, to be able to not only be creative and imagine this stuff and document it and capture it and have the museum and tell the stories and stick by the story. So they probably witnessed a lot of messed up shit. Let's be real, right? You have to give them that at least. Yeah. Whether it happened or not, we don't really have proof. We have great movies. We have great stories. Um, me personally, I, I think stuff did happen. I don't know what. I don't know how far, like how true the movies are. But it is very interesting. Like I said, I give the, the, the second movie two thumbs up. I love the first movie. And even like The Nun, as cheesy as it is, was pretty good. Um, Annabelle is kind of dumb, to be honest. But it's just, it's an all-around great story. Whether you believe or not, whether you think it's real or not, it is a, a really good story to like get a thing of popcorn, maybe a couple beers, and sit down and, and just check it out. It's, it's really worth watching. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that the... Um uh, I think the entertainment value from whatever they did is amazing. And I think that people love that kind of stuff. I think people yeah. love watching the movies. They love anything like that. You know what I mean? So I think that's cool. Um, let's be honest, too. Like, you know, with all the scary movies out nowadays, they're not as good. You know what I mean? Like, this is pretty good. This is like what I would call like a top tier horror movie. You haven't seen the last the latest one, then. I haven't seen the latest. The late, one, I don't. I haven't seen the first one. But if you, I don't. I'm sure this last one is not nearly as, not the same. Yeah. That you would. I, I thought it wasn't very good. I well, thought it was again, cheesy and kind of. I thought dumb. Annabelle is cheesy. Yeah, and so, and the, the nun is Annabelle kind movie. of cheesy, but like, I would say out of the most recent movies, out of horror movies, like Insidious is really good. I thought, and I, anything that this James Wong guy does, freaks the hell out of me, and I feel like it's a good story. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Silence of the lambs. I'm gonna to go ahead and start talking now. So <laughs> no, so uh, so I, I'm literally right now. I'm just waiting I'm, for my introduction. I'm looking at uh, uh, the ten times that uh, um, Ed and Lorraine Warren were exposed as total frauds. Oh, well, I'm sure a lot of the time. So I, that's I'm sorry, that's what I was looking at. But Riley, so obviously we know where you stand on this. We know that you think it's complete and total. No, well, we we kind of don't. Maybe he's gonna surprise us. No, I'm not. Okay. So <laughs> moving on. I think it's, I think they, I don't know if, I don't think they, I don't know if they were purposely like, you know, exploiting these people, but I think that they maybe thought they were onto something because this is like the seventies, right? It was like the seventies when all this was going down. Yeah. But again, they did not make any money. This was all like not for profit. Just But like, they got famous, didn't they? Yeah. But what? What shit did that matter in the 70s? Well, I mean, a lot I mean, of people go cares. to their museum now. Yeah. Now? Does the museum charge to get into it? I do not know that. But what does it matter now? They're they're dead. They're And even if they were still alive, they're old as shit. It, money's not going to matter at this point, right? So, I mean, who cares? Back then, if they were charging to do these things or they were taking donations like from the church or whatever, then, okay, maybe I would side with that. But the fact that is, you know, they didn't take any money whatsoever they were doing this out of you know the kindness of their hearts or whatever just wanting to help well that's doing the lord's work well that's why when i say like i don't know if they were exploiting them let's just put like any monetary gain or any exploitation out of the way i think they were trying to help people that they thought needed help but i don't think there was anything there to help them with in their area i don't think the whole there was no i don't think there was ever any ghosts or anything like that But then why would those people contact them in the first place because they thought there was but i mean if they're being exploited I didn't say they were being exploited. 
I said, let's regardless of regardless of their being exploited or not. My point is just I think they were trying to help people who thought they had a problem. Okay. But my I don't I'm skeptical that the problem was there to begin with. It may have been more of a mental thing more than actual ghosts. Is what I'm saying. I'm not okay. calling Ed and Lorraine or Lorraine bad people. I'm saying. I mean, I don't know if they were good. You hear how Ed treats Lorraine. Well, so, yeah. <laughs> Man, they may, shut up. Yeah, they may not be the greatest. Uh, <laughs> but it is kind of cool. It is like you know, it is your. Uh, I don't know your your Brangelina of of scary stories. I guess. Well, it, you know. So to me, I think that it's it's a it's a um, supply and demand. Okay, so if you know that there's a bunch of people out there claiming something, mm-hmm. and let's let's say hypothetically that they weren't full of shit to themselves. Okay. So they believed what they were doing. Okay, they believed in the things they were doing. They were like Riley was saying. They were they were helping people. Mm-hmm. They were trying to help them. Now, I mean, obviously, if fame comes along with it, and of course, that's something that you you know what I mean. You're not going to be like, no, no, I don't want that. Please. Although it did get worse. Remember that one case where the they one tried case to help and said it did get made worse. It worse. Right now, but again, though, these are all like all of these things to me. Since I do not believe in ghosts. Although I have had some weird shit happen or whatever, but I think that certain people are just um, more predisposed to having these things. Like we we talked about in the last episode, you know, when it comes to like you know you know mental um, illness and stuff like that, where you don't have to be more susceptible to. You don't have to be mentally ill, quote unquote. You don't have to be like a mental nutcase with some sort of whatever, but seems that the majority of the people who do see these things have some sort of mental well here's an interesting fact though thing that you're missing is that all of these instances or be amityville the uh the haunting in connecticut or whatever it is and all the other ones these are multiple victims this isn't just like one person like a little girl oh i have a ghost in my room mommy daddy what do we do this is like entire families and like members of the church the priest coming in well, like this is multiple people all eyewitnessing and testifying the same story right but so it's a little but that's also mass hysteria more, i was gonna say there's mass hysteria but also group group think group on think separate is a, occasions across the world sure if, if, i mean it's if kinda, i come home and he he tells me like he saw something i'm gonna be way more likely to see that same thing that he saw or at least believe it or believe that you saw yeah, it right. yeah like if I come home and he's like, I saw a person standing in the basement. Here's a, here's an example. So when I was dating my ex, we were at here, we were at dad's place and she swore to God up and down that she saw somebody sitting in the computer chair in dad's basement. She's goofy, and by the way. I didn't believe that for a second. But now every time I go down there, I kind of look at that chair a little differently and I'm like, you know, I've never seen anything, but sometimes I look at it like, mm, I wonder if there was something sitting in that chair or not. Because you know her and you don't think that would be a, like a far-fetched thing she would just spin off right no she was kind of crazy well she, she was goofy she was she was a goofy girl yeah. but but I, I, I guess my point is is that if you have multiple people right that are all eyewitnessing and testifying the same thing they're all going through this at once rather than just one person or two people it is extremely more believable you know whether you want to call a mass hysteria or not, there's always going to be the one person in the group that's got the the head on the shoulders that's like, you know what? You guys are fucked up. This did not happen. It's 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 the furnace. The furnace is broken, making the sound. The fact that they all believe it 
and we're running out like if, if you watch that conjuring 2 movie mm. it's the entire family like the entire family and the neighbors and the police even like and now wh- which one is the conjuring 2 based that's off where they of? go it's the england and the, the little girls uh so possessed is that, is that based off of true i don't know which one that was right, I, I keep keep talking i'm sorry but so i don't know i guess my point is it's more believable when you have that happening, like the Amityville, that was an entire family murdered, right? And all those witnesses. So, I mean, it's it's not like you got one guy in a house that's like, you know, oh, you know, I hear stuff at night. Here's my story. Figure it out. You got families. You got yeah. multiple people, witnesses. Well, what, what I was going to say is when we, we've talked about a lot of different separate occasions of hauntings and things like that so far on the podcast. What is this? Episode six? Is this 18? 17 so we've done we've done quite a few episodes so far and most a lot of them have been about paranormal things no it is 18 hey congrats guys we're at 18 we're legal so (laughs) no they changed everything to 21 oh yeah we can't buy jewel pods yet yeah Yeah. Yeah. so what what i'm trying to get at is that a lot of these places that are supposedly haunted have had terrible occurrences there right yeah. Like the murdering of the, what was it, the LaRose or whatever they were called? What was their last name? Who? The guy who killed his whole family. De, La, De Rosa. De, De La Rosa. De, De Rosa. De Rosa. De Rosa. De Rosa. What the hell are you guys asking? The guy who you were talking about in the beginning. Yeah. Oh, the oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, DeFeo. 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 That's it. Yeah. He, Same thing. Yeah. He, um, what I'm trying to say is, why is there not a lot of like hauntings at places that didn't have terrible stuff going on? I'm saying, I think people associate tragedy tragedy with hauntings because it, it, it's almost like a blank like we talked before it's a blank canvas yeah that they can write their own story on and it, it's a lot more intriguing well like know? we also talked about the sensitivity thing you know where uh actually what was it ed was was interviewed and he was saying how you know people who are more sensitive and more susceptible to spirits and encounters you know obviously are going to be the ones that start this whole thing that they're like the root of the story you know they're the first ones to see it they're the first ones to explain it describe it witness it what i would like to know is that so these people who claim that they have um you know uh, sensitivity to the spiritual realm or whatever the proper term is right i would i want to know if there's any physiological data that like <laughs> uh, any any like any like leg- legitimate data that, that that can kind of prove that they're a little bit different. So like if, like if, when they die or they pass on, if their brains are slightly altered or if there's anything like that going on, you know, yeah, or if it's just a bunch of BS. Like I I would I I want to know the facts behind it before I believe that someone can sense ghosts. Because yeah. I think that's more mental. Like like again like what, it what could he be, was saying. It could be too. But then again, like with the Warrens. Why would they put themselves through to, to to make people think that they're fucking crazy? If they didn't know, like wholeheartedly believe in what they were doing and what they were witnessing, and and others were witnessing it, like they actually had something legitimate there, why would they put their, themselves through the torture and the backlash yeah. they would receive from society okay. for years and years and years all over the world and all these different multiple spots? I mean, like to me, that's just stupid. Well, like why why put yourself through that? Have you heard of flat earthers? Oh God! There we is go. Is this a pumpkin spice thing? This is yeah. That's that's it right there. That that that's the reason why. Like people will just because something's not true doesn't mean people won't wholeheartedly falsely believe. People don't believe the Holocaust happened. People believe the Earth is a flat pancake. People believe that ghosts exist. Like there's, I'm not saying those are all on the same level. I get what you're but saying, but I'm saying people wholeheartedly believe things that 99 percent of people don't believe in, and it right. doesn't mean that they're 
that they are not disingenuous. Right. And they might genuinely believe it, but they're they still are wrong. So full full circle then, Riley. Are you you think the whole thing's BS? You I think, think these the whole, guys are BS think, and they're just out. I for... think the whole thing is BS, but I don't personally think that they did anything wrong. Right. But they, I, they saw a need. Yes, and they tried to fill a need. And they tried to fill. Who it. are you going to call? The Warriors. Right. Do, so do, do, um, do, do, do. the second Conjuring was based off the in, uh, infield poltergeist. Okay. So the infield poltergeist was a claim of super, supernatural activity at 284 Green Street, a council house in Brimsdown, Enfield, England, between 1977 and 1979, involving two sisters aged 11 and 13. Some members of the Society for uh, Psychical Research, such as inventor Maurice Gross and writer Guy Lyon, uh, Playfair. Guy Lyon Playfair. What a weird-ass name. Hi, my name's Guy Lyon Playfair. <laughs> did Again, you, did you just, sweet just, names yeah. back in the day. Did you just make that up? His parents just yeah. pulled a bunch of names out of a hat. Yeah, yeah. When wow. you walked in, what was your real name? Like, because you just made that up. It was an ad lib. Hey, Guy yeah. Lyon, I'm Bill Smith. <laughs> <laughs> well, he believed, or they believed, the haunting to be genuine, while others, such as Anita Gregory and John Belloff, were unconvinced and found evidence that girls had uh, that the girls had faked incidents uh, for the benefit of journalists. Members of the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry, including stage magicians such as Middlebone Christopher, and again, another great name, Jesus. Awesome. I hate the name Christopher, but that's a pretty good name. I feel like people are just trying to one-up each other in the hospital or having babies. Yeah, and you know Joe, I mean? well, this one's Joe Nickel. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, yeah. you got Middlebone Christopher and Joe sure. Nickel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, they criticize paranormal investigators for being credulous whilst also identifying features of the case as being indicative of a hoax. So that's where that stemmed from. I did not know that, and now I do. Or so now the listeners do. Get out there, watch The Conjuring 2. Let me know what you guys think. I think it's two thumbs up. It's awesome. I love it. I think it's great. Let me okay. know what you think. For the movie, yes. Okay, you, you like the movie or whatever. But as far as this is concerned, do you believe that they actually did some shit? Because of the end credits with the evidence and the photos and whatnot? Yeah. I mean, it's a hell of a story okay. to just come up with. I mean... Again, I know people are creative no, agree, and you can yeah. come up with some stuff, but it's a pretty detailed hell of a story to come up with that, yeah. especially nowadays when there's no creativity. So you're Sorry, you're, a, you're a yes, you think they did. You yeah. Riley, you obviously are a dead set no. No, I think the lack of evidence, like with that little girl who supposedly died, the seven year old, like there's nothing about that. Like even like if, even if they change the name, like you know, seven year old girl dies in Connecticut, or whatever in the seventies. Like I looked that up. There's no like police reports. There's no. There's nothing like that. And I could maybe just not be finding it, but they're probably in the museum in a glass case. Yeah. Oh, oh the, the the girl. Well, the papers, the uh, evidence. Oh, oh, okay. The police oh. report. <laughs> Riley, Dude. stop burping on I'm the. So, do God. not touch the glass. So gross. Never gonna find a date burping into the mic, am I? <laughs> so my outlook on this is simply put that regardless whether or not it was real. Or whether they were real and they were actually, you know, credulous. Um, they saw a need and they filled it and they were trying to help people. That's what I think. I don't think, and I don't think that the the side stuff matters and what whatsoever. I believe that these two people, whether I mean, first and foremost, they were married for you know forever. Yeah, you know what I mean. Up until you know, I mean, they were married until they died. Yeah, it's old timey stuff. Yeah, which she just passed away uh, in April of this year, and he passed away. I can't remember when it was. I had it written down, and I'm sorry about that. I'll look it up. Yeah, thank you. Um, 
But I believe that the, these people saw something going on. And now, is it possible that they went, you know what we could totally do? We could totally go in and convince these people. He died in 2006. 2006, okay. Yeah. Um, but you know what I mean? They could have done that. They could have very well done that because they see people needing and wanting. And, and so they did that. But, I mean, does it really matter if it was real or not at this point? Because if, well, you... <laughs> You heard that they just made it worse for somebody else. Right. But I'm sure they helped other people. Like, I mean, there's so many different. If you look online, there are so many different investigations that they did. Yeah, there's a ton. There's a ton. And dude, I'm telling you, I even I let just keep this as short as I could. I left a bunch of shit out. Yeah. Because I wanted to talk about everything. But they, uh, yeah, if you guys get a chance, uh, get online and do some research. But, you know, think about things. I think that I, th- I think that's the biggest problem nowadays is that people don't have critical thinking skills um so go in there and just kind of determine whether or not you feel that this is real or not with everything you know what i mean like whether it's ghosts aliens yada 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 use some critical thinking in there um go and research them i think that they are awesome and i really would like to go to that freaking uh museum yeah it'd be pretty wild even if it's 100 percent absolute just fucking bullshit yeah the fact that they did it for as long as they did the fact that they, you know, have people out there that claimed they needed help and they stepped in to help them. I say that the uh, the Warrens were badass, period. That's that's my that's my stamp. Nice. Yep. What do you think? That's the caboose. I like it. <laughs> that's the caboose. I like it. So what do you think? Call this one end? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we want to thank you guys so much for hanging out with us here at the Midnight Train and listening to us talk about Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, to me, they were pretty badass, and uh, you guys should do some research. Go watch the movies and stuff. I'm actually going to watch the movies now just because I'm I'm way more intrigued by what they did. Imagine if Tarantino got a hold of this story and did like a Tarantino spin on this couple that like fights ghosts. Just badasses. And it's just like, you know, shotguns and mayhem and just gore and like... <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be pretty awesome. It could have been really awesome. He should do it yeah. like a supernatural movie, like a ghost movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, he had a new one recently, didn't he? Yeah, the Hollywood. The Hollywood uh, Once Upon yeah. a Time in Hollywood. Is is it good? Have you guys I seen haven't it? seen it? It's about the Sharon Tate, the Charlie Manson thing. Oh yeah. shit! Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That'd be a good one too. Who? Old Charlie Manson. Yeah. That motherfucker. He just died. He is crazy. Yeah, he's 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 bad shit. So I would love to do one about him, uh, especially considering that he literally did not kill anyone. And, it was everyone else, yeah. And spent his life in prison. <laughs> yeah. Because he's just a fucking crazy, manipulative fucker. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, God. Did you know that he actually used to hang out? And I don't want to get into this, but the dude used to hang out with one of the Beach Boys. Yeah. And he was trying he's to trying get to his be, music out. He wanted yeah. to be a musician, and that's yeah, where it all stemmed from. He was from. in Hollywood. It's yeah. in Sound City. The Sound City documentary. Like, oh. he, he tried to book time there and record there. Did he? I didn't see yeah, that part. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a good one. That is a good documentary. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, back to this one. God, we derail so much. Anyway, um, I think you should go watch the movies. Uh, I think you should find out which movies. I think we should sit down and do a drunken review of, if not one, but all of these. I say we pick the first one. So, the I can sit there one. and I can tear it apart and Jeff can be like, dude, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be asleep in the and chair. Right. And Riley will be asleep. <laughs> We should do the second one. Right? Okay, the second yeah, one. Yeah, we should totally you do that. Seen that one, but right? I feel like if we haven't seen the first one, is it going to ruin this? Like, make it harder to watch? You guys are going to like it anyways. I mean, what's the matter? Okay, I'll just make fun of it. Yeah, too. yeah. You're right. 
Dude, I go into things with an open mind with everything. I sort of got I do. I, I I promise you I do. Like I, I wanted to go back and, and I wanted to watch that Conjuring movie. And the only reason I didn't finish it is just because I, I ran out of time. Yeah. It's not like I'm sitting here going, oh, this is going to be so dumb. Yeah. I don't like this. I don't do that. I, right, I never, right. ever do that. Just like with any of the topics and especially topics that like um I'm not the biggest fan of. Yeah. Um, I still go into it with an open mind because you never know. You're going to find some cool stuff. Speaking of cool stuff. We are going to be doing on our next episode, the one, the only, we're running a train on that motherfucker, Stephen King. Yeah. That creepy fucking dude who I would just love to meet to see if his vibe just, you know what I mean? Like he just seems like such a creepy bastard. So we're going to talk about uh, Stephen King. I know a lot of people have been like, oh, Stephen King would be awesome. So yes, we're going to do that. Um, um, we actually have it all ready to go and so for next week's episode you guys are going to be hearing a little bit about stephen king and then not short- to be confused with stephen hawking right i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> he, he is related to evan by the way who does our intros who is stephen hawking <laughs> i did not know that yes they're close relatives <laughs> believe it or not yeah. second second cousin Jeez. right right it's hilarious um and then of course uh, coming up here in a few weeks we're starting off with motherfucking halloween yeah yeah the greatest, greatest time in our uh, in our country here. I, I love Halloween. I think Halloween's amazing. I love just everything wrapped around it, um, except obviously for pumpkin spice because Jeff is like anti pumpkin spice. Like, yeah, do me a favor, take your pumpkin spice and throw it in the sink. Maybe rinse it with some water and then throw it in the garbage. Thanks. That'd be great. We can do that. Who hurt you? Ah, <laughs> uh, life. <laughs> like, I feel like, like yeah at some point in time somebody that was like really into pumpkin spice just fucked you up yeah, yeah. like like a barista from starbucks beat the hell out of you or something <laughs> did somebody run over your dog while we're having a starbucks we're gonna leave that for another haunted episode <laughs> all right so make sure you guys email us at the midnight train podcast at gmail.com you can go to the midnight train podcast.com and, uh, you know, check out all the stuff that we we were talking about earlier in the uh, the episode and whatnot. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, anywhere that's out there for the most part that I'm I'm pretty sure we're at. Um, <laughs> what are you doing? You can also. What, what is this from The Conjuring? Oh, it's the music box. I was like, whoa, that was you creepy. got ambience now. Ambience. Ooh, ooh. The store for lovers. Oh, hold on. So then I got to get creepy on it. Yeah. So you can also find us at the. That's not. It's more like sexual and creepy. Oh, that's I don't, that's weird. Do. I don't like that I want at all. The ladies please, out there, please stop. Yeah, no god. Right. Yeah. If you want to go to that haunted house, listen on Spotify, <laughs> Apple Music, etc. Like, subscribe, and leave a five star review because it really helps us, baby. All right. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I don't like that. We want to thank you guys for listening. Um, listen, man. The reason we do this is because, first of all, it's just something passionate that we love doing. Um, but we love that you guys are listening and we love that you guys are, you know, getting involved online. Um, dude, I'm, I, I actually looked on our website today and we're getting a lot of new members and people signing up and stuff, which is really cool. Um, keep doing that. Keep telling your friends about it. And in the meantime, you know, we'll be back next week with some Stephen King shit. You guys want to say anything else? Yeah, stick around for the boxcar. You're going to listen to some awesome music, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah Definitely sure. check that out. The yeah. Disaster. It's actually really good, too. I yeah. was uh, I'm not saying surprised, but I was just like, whoa, shit. Dude, this is actually a total good. shredder. Rob Arnold, amazing Rob guitarist. Arnold, bad motherfucker. So you guys check it out, and uh, it'll be awesome. Riley, you got anything to say? Please give me a date. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and in saying that, last but not least, choo-choo, motherfuckers! Choo-choo! <laughs>